Welcome to Analog Stick, a PlayStation 2 podcast, the podcast where every month we do a deep dive on one PS2 title. You can find us on podcast platforms as Analog Stick, as well as a video version of our podcast on our YouTube channel, Joystick. I'm your host, Clayton, joined as always by the true heir to the ballet castle, my co-host Morgan. Morgan, how are you? Well, I got in a car wreck and I woke up in this towel and um, it's not going great. I feel like things are just going to get worse from here. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's sad to hear. <laughs> I didn't notice that it is belly or belly. I, I, I don't know. They say it like slightly Spanish, it feels like. But yeah, it is just belly castle. And this is a game about pregnancy. Right. Kind of. Right. Yeah. Um, I thought that that, yeah, like, you know, a baby growing in your belly, the belly, Fiona belly, the belly castle. Yeah, I that, don't know. Literally, literally one letter off and I could not pick up on that. Um, so thank you for pointing that <laughs> yeah. out. It's probably not as on the nose for pro- like a Japanese audience, I am assuming, unless... Maybe. Yeah, who knows? Um, so what have you been up to this month? I mean, it's not been a month, full disclosure, we're recording this like two weeks after we last recorded an episode, um, just due to, you know, scheduling going into this month. But uh, yeah, how have you been the past two weeks, I guess? Oh, yeah. It's just been, um, well, I'm getting married this coming Saturday. So so exactly one week from when we're recording this episode. Um, so just a lot of wedding prep. And um, by that, I mean, I'm not really doing anything. I'm just kind of sitting around being anxious and waiting until I have to do a whole bunch of things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, can I make Can I make one suggestion that Granted, I was not the bride at my wedding, so I don't know how helpful this was, but <laughs> yeah. Um, one suggestion I heard that made a lot of sense to me was that find someone, maybe your mom or I don't know, maybe Claire, maybe Claire wouldn't be the best person for this, but on to on the day of your wedding, uh, just have it so you stop making decisions. Like have someone else make any further decisions that may need to be made. Like oh, try yeah. to make it so you don't have to worry about anything. Be like, okay, someone comes up to you and is like, but what do we do for this stupid little thing? Um, and I'll be like, sorry, you have to speak to my mother about this or someone else. <laughs> like, uh, because I am not making decisions today. Yeah. So no, I'm I think just that's a good idea. That. Yeah. I don't know if it was helpful. <laughs> um, as far as like planning and stuff has been going, I would say my mom has already been like taking on that role and just making decisions instead of like burdening me with a ton of choices, which is honestly fine. I know some people might freak out and be like, but, but it's my wedding and I feel like I'm not in control of it. And I'm like, this is probably what I would have chosen anyway. So (laughs) I don't mind giving the control to somebody else for the day. Yeah. I mean, I was worried for you having, having gone through a wedding and experienced like all of Claire's stress about it. I was like, man, Morgan is Morgan, like Claire already did not care about like a lot of the questions that needed answered and stuff. Yeah. Just, you know, like color palettes and just random crap, like floral decoration and stuff. And I'm like, man, Morgan's going to like extra not care about a lot of this stuff. Oh, yeah. No, I did not give a single crap about anything. My mom was like, okay, here's what I think will look nice. Do you, is this okay? And I would say yes. And that would just be the end of the discussion because I don't, <laughs> yeah, I just don't give a crap about stuff like that. Not that that's a bad thing to give a crap. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Right, right. Um. <laughs> it's just not me. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah, absolutely. 
if I was a woman, hey, you know, I'd be doing the same. I, I mean, I was a man who got married, and I also struggled to care about most things. Right. <laughs> Even like some things that went weird or wrong during the thing, I was just like, ah, whatever. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's like, what can you do? Like, you can like freak out about it, or you can just roll with it. And I, for one, yeah, I mean, choose like, to roll with it. I mean, like the DJ's here, and he has a lisp. What am I gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> and you've like never met him before, right? Yeah, and I've never met him before. Right. That's my. That's that's. Um, I was a little bit like, oh, this is a, this sucks. And then for like a second, and then I'm like, this is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, it's like, God, why does why does our last name have so many R's? Right. <laughs> I didn't know until now. <laughs> um, that's probably going to be the most memorable part of the whole wedding. I honestly. mean, it's what I think it's what we bring up the most when we reminisce about mm -hmm. your wedding. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, oh, so wait. I see you had a loud ass party last night and those are your words, not mine. <laughs> I did not have an ass loud party last night. Okay. I mean, a loud ass party <laughs> last night. That party was ass loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I woke up at like some ungodly, like three, three fucking 30 in the morning last night or this to the morning. And I was like, what the... There's just like some thump, like loud thumping and like people talking. I'm like, what the hell is going on outside? It's, yeah. This is like donut making time. What is anybody doing right now? <laughs> um, and there was like some party like from like the apartment complex, like across from us. Granted, this comes with living in a, well, it's two, it's a two-factor thing. I live in a college town. Right. And I live in the cheapest, like, tier of apartments, basically. They're nice apartments. So, like, the cheapest nice oh, apartments, yeah. probably. No, they are just straight up, like, the cheapest we oh, okay. can find. But they just happen to also be freshly read. Um, like they renovated? Just redid the, yeah, they just renovated everything. Like, I, I got a peek into, like someone else's like apartment as they moved out and they there was like a bunch of like constructors coming in to like rip out the flooring and stuff so yeah i have like a freshly renovated old apartment oh, okay yeah so it's like it's it's nice i mean it's fine it's got a lot of bugs and it kind of sucks in a lot of small ways that you expect a cheap apartment to suck like poor insulation like it gets cold during the winter because the walls are thin and stuff Oh, and you're like on the end of the building, so it's not like you're sandwiched between yeah, yeah. the two. Yeah, I'd rather be on the end of the building and it be cold than be next to two people. Yeah, you know no, that's fair. Absolutely fair. I think that right now I'm just like next to like a like a single person, so I don't even have to like hear, you know, domestic disputes or anything like that. Well, you heard them. You heard them on the exercise bike, which you thought was someone having sex. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. So for a long time, there would be like this constant, like it, what felt like bed springs squeaking, very rhythmically and slowly. And I'm like, man, are these guys like pounding it out on the regular four four p.m. on the dot At every a day? Super consistent pace. <laughs> Good for them. It's like it was literally like re re. <laughs> i'm like you know what man you love to see I, I i think i maybe assumed it was like old people or something i was like good good for you also i'm gonna stop thinking about this now um <laughs> <laughs> but 
someone came over and was like, that sounds like an exercise machine. I'm like, that makes way more sense. Right. Especially like you said, at like 4 p.m. And <laughs> yeah, like I assume they just like come home from work or whatever and just like, you know, get a little workout instead of instead of come home rip off your pants and be like babe it's time i'm going to make very slowly slow slow love to you (laughs) every day (laughs) it's almost like they were trying to be sneaky yeah or something (laughs) like you're sneaking on like a floorboard but it still creaks anyway right go up the stairs slowly and it's just like yeah (laughs) aside from that it's fine apartments perfectly fine i'm happy with what i'm paying the the rent did not like you know astronomically soar up after the whole like thing where everyone's rent was getting like way higher during the pandemic so yeah that's nice it went up like ten dollars when i renewed my lease and i was like oh that's not bad (laughs) that's fine it's whatever i mean it's an extra 120 dollars a year when you think about it so that kind of sucks but whatever yeah (laughs) yeah it's whatever it's fine um and we're just we're we're it's a it's a really nice area. I love the area we're currently in. I have no idea if I've actually disclosed the area I live, so I'm not going to now. Um, you have not. <laughs> we have avoided such language. It's probably whatever anyway, but um, it's just such a nice area. I'm around nature. There's nature reserves. I am far away from the nearby city. Fantastic. Only if, if only I did not have to drive into said city right. every day for work. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very uh it's a it's a town very similar in size and feel to the town we grew up in, except just newer. Like all the developments are just newer, which is great. And there's a ton of nature. I love it. I could live here forever. Um, but we do live in very cheap apartments, and I would like to not do that eventually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like a, it feels like the further you get into like, you know, a bigger city, the closer houses get. And that's just like, you know, as you get further out, houses get further away. Um, and I am happy with the distance between houses here. I just live in an apartment complex, which is the problem. Uh, so I'd like to like to make it to one of these houses eventually. Maybe if housing still exists by the time that we are. <laughs> able to acquire it yeah i don't know of age i know you prefer to be like further out yeah well just because like i grew up um well i would go to like my dad's which was in a very rural area on the weekends and i got sort of like spoiled by that like sort of feeling like you're out in the middle of nowhere but you're not really but like you can goof around in the yard without people staring at you or like feeling like people are staring at you and oh yeah that's just kind of how i am i like to not be stared at so <laughs> i do like to live in a nice uh, like an area where the people are a bit more friendly um and present like i don't necessarily need there to be no people it just feels like there's this weird thing with cities where because there are so many people people stop being people and they just become annoying you know what i mean yeah yeah this is a nice level of people where people are still people and everyone waves at each other on the trails and it's like kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Uh, and there's a lot of open space still. Like most houses still have yards and stuff. So it's, 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 it's chill over here. 
um, except for the cheapest tier of apartments where you run into uh, <laughs> noisy college kids. Honestly, the older I get, this sounds stupid because I'm 24. Um, <laughs> I just, I just like really try to avoid pretty much anyone younger than me. <laughs> That's just... They just, they stress me out. I don't know why. I just feel like, you know what I think it is? And this is such like a weird thing, but I don't remember if I told you this or not, but when I was uh, my last semester at college, um, so I would I was a senior and a couple freshmen, like just like fresh, you know, just like moved in. There was like a free food. Extra fresh. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a free food thing going on. So, of course, we were there because we were like starving and, you know. <laughs> uh, oh, was broke. I in this? Was I in, I don't I in this story? If you, you came along eventually, but it was after I think I encountered these freshmen who looked me up and down um, with like a slight look of disgust. And they were like, uh, how old are you? And I was like, I'm a senior. And they were like, mm, yeah, we can tell. And I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> it was just like this like That's weird. so weird. Yeah, they were like weirdly like judgmental about it. And like, it's like, I mean, yeah, I probably look older than you, but it's not like, I don't look like that old. Like they were just treating me like I was like 35 or not that, mm -hmm. not to disrespect people that are 35, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, basically dead if you're 35. Right. But like it was, it was weird for me to be there. Like I wasn't welcome in like their like little circle because I, for, I don't know. And I was like, all right, that just gave me a weird vibe. So that's so weird. Yeah. I feel like our college, I feel like having been to having a collegiate career that consists of three different schools. Yes. I would say that I disliked our unnamed shared college <laughs> the student I body the vibe. there. Yeah, the student it body there was vibe. just really weird. Like they just mm -hmm. didn't care about like completing their assignments yeah. if like ever or definitely not on time. Yeah, it was definitely there was definitely lower expectations across the board. I mean, not all the classes were that way, which I think that might have been uh more so a thing in like the building where your classes were in because for like my oh, yeah. for my programming classes, it was like a totally different vibe. Like people there took it seriously, but people in the other building were like the the film and the animation and stuff. That was definitely um, people just didn't do their work. Yeah, I, <laughs> so I transferred to this college as a junior. So I, I finished two years. Basically, I came in with a um, associate's degree. So I just did my major while I was there. Yeah. And I remember like one of the first assignments we had to do, there was just like three or four people that were like, oh, I didn't get around to doing it. And I'm like, what the, what you can do? Yeah. I have never seen no, that's, anyone that's... do that. <laughs> I was blown away. Right. Or there were, so I, I took um, animation courses. Uh, my minor was an animation, 2D, 2D animation production or something like that. And there were people who were animation majors and the um, animation samples that they would turn in for like homework assignments and stuff were just like stick people. And it's like, dude, yeah, you, you can't if you want an industry job, you can't just only ever have stick people in your portfolio. Like, you know that, right? Like, that's not that's not competitive with anything else <sighs> going on right now. <laughs> I don't know. I, it There's... was just really strange. There were some similarities happening in the film side of 
things. Yeah. Like, I I hate like there were some people who were like pretty mean and snooty about it. Like, oh, there's so many people here who will never get a job. And it's like, I don't need to be that much of a no. you know, cold a cold bitch, but uh <laughs> Most of the people were trying. I, I, it's it's weird because like there were a lot of people who just were like not cutting it, and it's like fuck. Who's gonna tell you that this isn't good enough? Like right, and you're just because it's like it's not a cheap school. I don't know what your financial situation is like, but it's almost like getting scammed by your school. It's like yeah, just come to school. No, we're just gonna tell you it's good enough, and then uh, oh, the school's over. Goodbye. Oh, you couldn't get a job. Well, Darn. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, as a professor, you know, it's like, well... You gotta be I, real I, with the kids. Yeah, I feel like, though, as a professor, you would get in trouble if you, like, discouraged your students. You know what I mean? Because the school would be like, I mean, they're paying to come here, so you keep them coming here. You know what I mean? Like... Oh, yeah. It's... it's it's. Uh, I mean, you could think about it, and you're like, there's a lot of ways this could be very insidious, but... right. I don't know. I, I, I've thought about going back um, in the future and maybe trying to be like an adjunct professor. I would have nothing to gain from this monetarily, I'm pretty sure, because I don't think they got paid very well at all. Yeah. I think you would have like a lot of value to put into those kids, though, to be like, hey, listen, here's how it actually is. Mm-hmm. Well, I think because I don't stand to gain anything from it, uh, I think it'd be really fun to like maybe say that college is not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and some oh, of yeah. you are so good you could just leave right now and right. be fine. And some of you are so bad that you should maybe reconsider everything. Not waste <laughs> all your money on this. Yeah. Because you're not going to make a return on investment and you'll be in debt for a very long time. Right. Yeah. Oh, did I tell you about that? <laughs> I, I know I probably have. I had to have told you about how one time I was working in the animation lab with a bunch of like other animation students on some homework. And one of our professors came in and said, hey, I have a couple of alumni that are going to come in while you all are working on your homework. And they're going to talk about their, you know, post school experience. Mm -hmm. And their experience was that they were living, Clayton, they were living out of their yeah. car and they were driving between <laughs> conventions like Comic-Con and stuff. And they were selling other people's artwork at like the, at the art, alley or whatever at these conventions and that's how yeah. they were living and i was like did you think that this was like gonna inspire us or like, <laughs> or like what did you think this was going to do sir like oh man did, what was the other you had another like um instance where people talked about selling like furry porn or something right like <laughs> no uh, that was the same no this the same, the same alumni yeah they told us, they said, hey, if you're desperate, also consider drawing porn for people because they'll pay you a lot of money. And, you know, if you're willing to draw whatever, then people will come to you with this, like, you know, whatever stuff that nobody else will agree to draw or whatever. And if you do it, they'll pay you good money. And also, one of her tips was um, to to prevent art right. theft yeah. was to hide <laughs> your signature in the jizz because apparently nobody looks super closely or close enough at the jizz. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> thank God we're discussing an adult game because this would be really I awkward know, right? to put at the beginning. Of, yeah, like, I was gonna say, I don't know, SpongeBob. Yeah. <laughs> maybe take maybe take your little gamers and put them in the other room for this one because <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. Yeah, no, it's, it's way too, too late, late for they're that. Already, but they're already trying to find these alumni and get them to draw some sort of weird fetish. I don't know. Yeah, some. They've been tainted. <laughs> Moving on.
Okay, yeah, I got to speed through this then. Uh, <laughs> I, this, this, I was going to say, hey, we should just cut out this what we've been up to segment because, you know, we've been, we got a lot to discuss, but we're already in it. Uh, I went to a Wisconsin farming festival. <laughs> okay. <laughs> over, the, over the weekend, uh, not over the weekend, over the Labor Day weekend, and um, I saw a lot of things and it made me think. First of all, in reference to last episode, saw a lot of four-wheelers. Many, many four-wheelers. And I did see some four-wheelers that were turned into farm equipment. So, oh, callback. Yep, I was like, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely definitely a thing. It was like, a, I don't know exactly what the event was. We went to see um, my wife's grandpa do a uh, sorghum demonstration. There was like a bunch of, bunch of like farm people, farmers, a lot of tractors. There was like a tractor catwalk where there was like all these tractors lined up and like people in like this, these like stands and stuff. And like, as the tractor would pull through, they'd be like, yeah, that right there, Jerry is the, uh, that's the, that's the 1795 John Deere, uh, tractor. I don't, I can't even come up with, but <laughs> it, was, it yeah. was basically like that. Like <laughs> here's this old ass tractor. It's a, this man has been keeping it going for five generations right here. All right, here comes, here comes James McDoyle on a uh, 19th century refurbished squatting pick picker picker corn picker thingy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, so that was fun. There was like a there was like a fake robbery. I remember we were uh, stopping to get ice cream, and I saw a bunch of people in all black with like bandanas over there. You know, faces and you know, lower oh, half their face. the LARPers. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. With with like gun with guns, and I was yeah, like, yeah. I think any gun I see here is real, and I'm like, okay, well, there's there there they are. Okay, yeah, uh, they're, they're probably they're probably nice. I'm gonna assume they're nice, <laughs> but yeah. they were just uh, they were doing like a fake robbery thing, and we and we got to see that it was like a weird. It was fun. It was very painful to watch. Um, Got to be honest. It oh, was no. like they didn't plan out a script or anything. <laughs> they just oh, went into dear. it. They're like, "This is the last time you come to come to this town, and you owe me money." <laughs> <laughs> and then they started shooting each other, and everyone was like, "Hey, look at that! Look at that!" And I'm like, "Are these guys like firing blanks? Isn't that how uh, you know Alex Baldwin killed that guy?" I was like, "Let's take a step back." <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was, uh, that was, that was, uh, that was interesting. Um, and I have a question for you yeah. and I hope that you understand me yes. when I say this. What is the, what is with the overlap between farmers or people from rural slash small towns and the goth community? So I saw this question in the notes before we sat down and record and I talked to Sage about this because according to Sage, there is a whole like subgenre of music that is called Midwestern emo. Um, and it is <laughs> dedicated to these um, people who feel, I guess, sort of like misunderstood and frustrated with the small town experience. And mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. part of venting that frustration is the Midwestern emo music where it's like, this town sucks. I want to get out of this town. Like, that's just like <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, what the yeah. music is like, you know? Um, and I think it's, I think it's like uh, feeling like small towns don't like, you know, that there's like more to life or you feel like there's more to life, but 
you're you're a kid so like you're stuck where you are and you just resent mm -hmm. it and i think that that's um yeah probably where that comes from that makes a lot of sense i mean like i i know i'm i got family members who are like a bit more like i don't know like what goth necessarily encompasses but def definitely like dress goth i don't even know but there was just a lot of goth goth ladies at this uh good, this tractor event. good for them <laughs> honestly i know i was like this is such a it's like such a reaction it feels like <laughs> like just in the complete opposite direction yeah i think that yeah it could very well be just like a rejecting you know, like you're you're bored with your town, and so you're rejecting its norms or whatever. But it feels like as someone as someone who lives in like a sort of kind of like a major metropolitan area now, I feel like I see almost no goth people. But whenever I come back home to our hometown, <laughs> they just come out of the woodwork. <laughs> they're they're all over the place. Yeah. They're walking along the streets. They're in our WalMarts. They're in our gas stations. They're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> They're out loitering. It's crazy. It's an epidemic. God bless the goths. I don't remember know. the remember the Australian uh, emu war. We need a we need a midwestern emo, emo war. war. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! No, they're fine. You guys keep doing your yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, last last thing I want to talk about before we get into what we've been playing. Yeah. I bought a um, I bought a new wireless. PlayStation 2 controller. Okay. Uh, this is from a company called Retro Fighters. They make a they make modern versions of like old console controllers, usually with the main upgrade being that they're wireless. Um, the first time I like heard of them was when I was looking for like a different Nintendo 64 controller because, dear God, those analog sticks turned to mush. Yes. Like yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I took one of those, I took an original analog stick apart to like see if I could clean it or whatever. And I was like, wow, it's so, this feels so ancient because I look at it and I understand it. It's like a series of gears that are all just connected to this thing. And it's like, it's weird that this is so simple that I just understand it by looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, yeah. it's not advanced in any way. <laughs> um, but yeah, those turn to mush. Um, so like new controllers are definitely appreciated. Uh, or like in the case of like the PS2, there's no like premium wireless controller. There is a Logitech wireless controller that a lot of people seem to like, and I've I've seen it. And it looks it looks fine. It's just it's hard to know like whenever you're buying something on eBay, like how tight the sticks are going to be and stuff. So I've just kind of like, eh, you know, I've just stuck with the uh, the regular old wired DualShock. But I decided to give the Retro Fighter Defender a try. It's made to work with both the PS1 and the PS2, and I think PC as well. And it feels like really, really solid. It comes in a couple different colors to kind of invoke, you know, certain systems and controllers. Like it comes in like that, uh, that like medium gray that the original PlayStation uh, yes. One was in. Yes. Yeah, comes in like an all black one, and then I picked up a um, translucent blue one because. That's the controller I associate most with the PlayStation 2. As you should, because it, it's freaking cool. It's real cool. They also have a transparent green one, or translucent green one as well. And I've been using it. I used it for half of Haunting Grounds, and it's uh, it's just real solid. Like, it's nice to not have a wire dangling around. Uh, you know, one less trip hazard in my in my house. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Definitely, uh, definitely recommend it. I'm probably going to look into some of their other 
um, controllers for different consoles if I want a wireless version of like the N64 or something like that. So yeah, that's a, that's a new option that is now available. Definitely recommended if you're playing on original hardware. Really sound, like build quality is, is good. Like it's not like a super cheap, like Mad Cats feeling thing. It's like, <laughs> this feels substantial. Like the original, even the original DualShock or the, uh, the DualShock for the PS2, it does feel a little flimsy. Like it's got some creak and give to it. This is much more solid than even that. So it's good. My only complaint is that they probably for legal reasons can't do like the basic sim- sacred symbols thing, like the the cross triangle square circle. Oh, yeah. So it's like a weird sort of, it's a weird sort of design of all of those. And I'm like, I kind of wonder if I can just like, I wonder if these buttons are like the same size and I can just like pop them out of an actual controller and put them in there because they look a little ugly, but <laughs> that's whatever. It's just not officially licensed, so they can't just right, take, right. The, take the symbols, I guess. I'm pretty sure they have a trademark over the symbols. Huh. And that's probably the reason. Okay, then. But yeah, that's uh, Retro Fighters Defender. I give it a, give it a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, this will be quick. Uh, what have we been playing this week? I've been playing nothing. What about you? <laughs> uh, also playing nothing. The only thing like video game related I've done is Sage had a Destiny uh, grimoire on his bookshelf that I read because nice. I'm just a weirdo like that. I like lore and digesting lore, um, even I if like it's for a, a game that I don't that really got. play. Sorry, what? I like a lot of those like Destiny books and like the the sort of like the merch that they make, I don't know. It makes me wish that I was more into Destiny because it seems like there's just a lot of things to latch onto in that sort of community. Oh, yeah. They have a lot going on all the time. And I don't know how you would ever like catch up if you like just now are getting into it. But I know that's the only I mean, I was into up. it for a long ass time. Yeah, that's true. I just I don't know. I don't really play games the same way I used to anymore. No. Like, well, you don't have time, probably. That's kind of the thing. Like, I played a lot of games that, like, appealed to uh, the autistic side of my brain, probably. <laughs> <laughs> when I was growing up, like, games that I could just pour endless amounts of hours into. Like, Destiny and Smite and Overwatch. I have, like, thousands of hours, days into these games. Right. Um, and it's just like, man... I don't play games like this anymore. Like, if I if I came home from work and I spent like two hours playing Overwatch, I would kind of feel like I wasted my time. Yep, in a way that's that my I wouldn't, exact problem this, too. Yeah, not like not like because I'm playing a video game, but because I'm like doing something that I've already experienced a lot. Yes, it's like there's. It's like I got so many other games that I got to play before I die. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So many fake experiences I have to live out. (laughs) Yeah. Whenever whenever we were up in Wisconsin, it was a little family get together. And I met up with um, one of Claire's cousins, uh, a young young kid, and he was playing on a Switch, uh, which, you know, I've known him long enough that I knew when he got it for Christmas and stuff and like all that. Uh, which is just like two years ago. And he he plays like Fortnite and, you know, Minecraft and Nintendo games and stuff like that. And he was uh, showing me like what he's been playing on his Switch. And I saw that he had a 
thousand hours in Overwatch for the <gasps> Switch. Oh, for and the I'm Switch? Like, that's like in a very short amount. That's like since he, he's only been able to play that game since like the last major update with Echo. Oh uh, my gosh. That last character. So he's been like playing that game with no new content <laughs> for a very long time with his friends and stuff. And oh, I'm like, wow. Huh. Yeah, that's crazy. Man, um, kids just like latch on to things like that though and just I know. ring that sucker it's, dry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they can just play the same thing over and over and over again. I definitely understand people who play games in that way because I play games for in that way for a long time. And in my mind, it was like a very like social thing. Like it was usually me playing games where I would spend time with my friends in some way uh, or just like have an excuse to talk to people. You know what I mean? Well, that, yeah, that's what we did in college. Yeah, that was like our main socialization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I get it. It's cool. Yeah. I'm also now excited for Overwatch 2. I'm the- <laughs> he made me excited again. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, it's so cool to see someone who cares about this game that I also have a very strong, you know, love kind of for. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up Overwatch 2. Uh, and by pick up, I mean play it because it's technically free. I don't even, I don't know. Like when Overwatch 2 comes out, I'm like, do I have to pay money? No. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> I think you can pay money. I'm pretty sure you pay for the the single player thing. It's really dumb. It's an Activision type decision. Like, yeah, you don't you don't make Overwatch twos. It's stupid. I'm sure they regret it because like it's so it's so stupid. They had they had people. They had like players and like a community, and then like okay, we're gonna put a pause on this and work on Overwatch two. It's like, no, you don't do that. You just keep making Overwatch 1 better. Right. Like, you just keep adding to the same thing. You don't you don't nuke it and start over. Like you do like you would do for Call of Duty. It works for Call of Duty, but it it doesn't make sense anymore. Like Fortnite doesn't do it. Destiny was forced to go into Destiny 2, I I believe by Activision as well, but whenever they split off, they were like, Destiny 2 is it. We're not doing that again. <laughs> oh. Okay. Destiny 2 is the yeah, game I didn't now. Know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it just makes more sense. Like it does. Yeah, it's 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 weird. I'm excited for it nonetheless because I don't know. I'm it's like I'm in a in, in an abusive relationship or something. <laughs> I just gotta they they keep me. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, are you ready to get into the game? I am. Oh wait, before I do that, are you gonna get Overwatch too? Are you gonna try it? Oh yeah, yeah, I'll play it. I mean, I'm okay. not gonna pay for the the single player content. I don't think I'm just gonna play the multiplayer because mm-hmm. that's yeah. I doubt it's I doubt it's gonna be great. The bread and butter. You gonna play it on Xbox? Uh, yeah, I think so. All right, I, can I mean that's where I have that. it. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Well, I think it's gonna become free to play when Overwatch Two comes out. Yeah, yeah. I I believe. Anyway, let's actually get into the game now. All right. But before we do that, now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So before we dive into the game at hand, which is Haunting Ground for the PS2. It's kind of funny that we get 40 minutes into the episode without even saying the name. Right. The <laughs> um, whatever. Just some background information on Haunting Ground before we dive into the story and our thoughts and opinions on the game. Haunting Ground, or Demento, as it's known in Japan, is a survival horror game developed and published by Capcom and released in North America 
on May 10th, 2012. I had a stroke there. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, sorry, I was like reading along with you and I was like, how did you get 12 out of that number? Sorry, go ahead. Released on May 10th, 2005. It's, it's viewed as the spiritual successor to another one of Capcom's survival horror series, uh, the Clock Tower series. Morgan, what do you have to say about the Clock Tower series? Because I've never even heard of <laughs> the Clock Tower games at all. I thought it was a movie. Right. So Clock Tower like, as a series is pretty darn old. Don't ask me for a specific year because I don't know. But I think it's like one of the um, earliest examples of a survival horror game. Um, it originally started out as like a 2D point and click adventure type thing, um, and then made the transition to, uh, like full 3D with Clock Tower 3, which is on the, I think that's on the PS2, I'm pretty sure. Um, I believe so. Right. So, but the thing about Clock Tower in terms of like its differences with Haunting Ground is, um... It's almost more like goofy than scary, and I don't think it's intentional. So like Clock Tower 3, um, a big criticism for that game was um, they did some like crazy over-the-top mocap acting. Um, so like the the Clock Tower games also have stalkers, like Haunting Ground does. Um, oh, but, okay. Yeah, but the, the um, characters that were the stalkers in Clock Tower were just like... Like I said, more ridiculous than scary. But anyway, uh, so within Haunting Ground, there are um, some references or like some acknowledgement or uh, what's a good word? Uh, homage? Homage. Yes. Yes. That's the word that I was trying to think of. Homage. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> homage. Uh, <laughs> so, that's how I read that word for my entire elementary school yeah. career. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how it's spelled. Um, yeah. But so there's, uh, like, within Haunting Ground, there's a lot of, like, clocks. Like, you, your save points are clocks. Uh, you hear, like, clocks ticking in the background a lot. And I think that that's probably all a reference to oh. um, Clock Tower. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so along along with, like, um, kind of being viewed as a spiritual successor to Clock Tower, this game also utilizes some scrapped story aspects of... I think what was originally going to become Resident Evil 4. So like the concept of being in a castle with a dog, I think was like the main thing. Um, <laughs> I don't know like how deep it went, but yeah, this is kind of like a weird, like it's like a little bit of this series, a little bit of this series, new game. And this game is a standalone experience. It has no sequels or follow-ups. It's just like its own thing. Uh, and it was kind of born from, you know, aspects of these two other horror franchises. Upon its launch, the game was received fairly softly, uh, with many reviewers making comparisons between this game and RE4, which had just released a few months earlier on GameCube. It currently sits at a 67 on Metacritic. Today, the game is viewed as a hidden gem for the PS2 that was overlooked during its time due to its proximity to Resident Evil 4. Um, and as far as like references and other games, the only real... like acknowledgements that Capcom has made to this game is a skin in Street Fighter V <laughs> where you play as Fiona uh, and then like a couple other things and like like SNK versus Capcom or whatever like a couple fighting games where you know the series is mentioned in whatever way but 
The skin in Street Fighter seems to be like the biggest, it's the closest we're ever going to get to a sequel. Uh, but Fiona <laughs> finally learns to kick the shit out of people. Well, I mean, I guess she yeah, already. Yeah, Fiona can finally fight back. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I don't have any history with this game prior to playing it for this this episode. Morgan, what about you? So the reason why I like latched on to this game and wanted to play it so bad for this podcast is because um, in like the early days of YouTube, or at least my early days on YouTube, um, this was one of the first uh, Let's Plays that I watched, aside from like Spyro and Minecraft and stuff like that. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so I was a little... How old do you think you were? Oh, maybe like 10 or 11, young enough to where it like scared the crap out of me, (laughs) like just really bad. Yeah, I had to stop watching it because it gave me nightmares. Um, and those nightmares <laughs> persisted for like weeks. Like it like mentally scarred me a little bit. Uh, so I just I would have strayed away from this as a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's for that's for big big kids. That's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> so I was like, I want to come back and visit this, you know, as an adult, uh, where I can probably handle this. And wouldn't you know, it still gave me nightmares. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's like deep seated in like what you're actually afraid. Like this yeah. is like it, it probably just re- you know the fear of being chased is very primal and mm. you know exists in a lot of forms. And this game really uh, gets that going. <laughs> Little side note: Have you ever uh, like you know been late into the night watching watching the YouTube videos? You come across something a little spooky, and then you're like, I need to go to bed, but I. I can't I can't end on this otherwise I'm going to be terrified. Yes. So I got to watch some like got to watch some like Minecraft video to calm down. <laughs> yes. No, I do that. Um one of my favorite YouTubers is uh Nexpo. And Nexpo covers a lot of like spooky or like uh like cult stuff or like mm. occult stuff or like Reddit mysteries. Um and I yeah, I can't watch those before bed. I have to I have to watch those in daylight. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah i only I ever run into this issue i only ever run into this issue because i sleep with someone now that's much more calming but because uh like uh there's 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 like like uh last night uh claire was visiting a little sleepover with one of her friends uh on the other side of the city so I was alone watching YouTube and a very similar thing happened to me where I watched a video about how a family died from eating like some sort of like pathogen on their food or something. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to watch some Minecraft now yeah, <laughs> <laughs> before I can go to bed. Yeah. Maybe but, play uh, some Stardew Valley, harvest my strawberries, <laughs> take my mind off things. Me, like I'll watch one of those like stupid positive like aimed at kids youtubers where it's just like yeah all right guys today we're gonna today we're gonna make an awesome water slide for our minecraft house I'd be like oh so calming yeah i feel safe here <laughs> i feel so safe here yeah. yeah um nothing bad can happen in this world which yeah I'm, uh, so um for this episode because we were on a, a little bit of a strict deadline due to the 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 encroaching wedding um yeah I unfortunately didn't finish the game. I had like an hour left. The game is very short. I wish I did. I wish I did finish it, but it took a while to like write up the uh, the notes and stuff for this episode. But I made it to the part, if you've played the game, I've made it to the part where you had to craft the godstone uh, while Ricardo was chasing you. And 
I just, I ran into some bullshit where I died like three times and got set back pretty far. And I was like, I, I, I gotta just write, I gotta just look up the end of the, yeah. <laughs> like write the episode. So uh, that was my experience. Morgan, what about you? I got to um, Ricardo's uh, Darth Vader moment where he's like, ah, it is I, your father's DNA provider. Um, <laughs> and then, oh, but I accidentally, there's like a critical thing where you're supposed to, or well, like you can save the dog before you run into Ricardo. And I just like bumbled straight into Ricardo, but Huey came to save me anyway. And then, oh my gosh, yeah, I was like, did you get the bad ending? No, 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 but, no. Yeah, yeah okay. if, if you have a good enough reputation with Huey, that doesn't happen. Um, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so that would have sucked. Yeah, no, I would have been like, oh, <laughs> I messed up. But yeah, so that's where I stopped. Okay, okay. So neither one All of right. us reached the end. We didn't reach the end. We looked it up. I don't know. Honestly, we'll get into this later, but I don't know if you necessarily need to play this game to experience it. But we'll get into that. Let's. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna like beat by beat kind of hit the uh, story like elements of the game. Uh, it's broken up into five chapters. Very front loaded. The first chapter being probably half the game. Um, so, uh, yeah, Morgan, wanna wanna attempt to read what I wrote for it? Sure. Um, okay. So, chapter one uh, is all about um, Debilitas as the stalker. So, like each, just to be clear, so like each chapter is like tied to, um, like throughout the game, you always have a stalker that's pursuing you as you like run around and solve mm-hmm. puzzles. Anyway, all right. So the game begins with a cutscene where we see our main character, Fiona Belly, unconscious in a cage. With us in the room is this ogre-like man, who we later discover is named Debilitas, chopping up meat on a table. There is some kind of commotion outside, and Debilitas is lured out of the room. Fiona is awakened by a nightmare of a car crash. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. I can, I can just, like, edit this as I go. I can try my best. So Fiona is awakened by a nightmare of a car crash, gathers... Gets her bearings and escapes from her cage. Okay, come on. (laughs) As she exits the room, a dog leaps out from under the table and runs out ahead of us, leaving behind a collar with the name Huey engraved on it. From here, we are free to explore a small area of the castle that we are trapped in. Um, The story continues as we enter a bedroom. We're startled by a mysterious woman dressed in a maid outfit, who we later learn is named Daniela. She offers us a change of clothes and promptly starts to leave. Any attempts by Fiona to question Daniela fail. Um, also worth noting that as you change into the clothes, there is a creepy old man portrait staring at you, and it is implied oh, yeah. that someone is watching you through the portrait as you undress and change yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I guess we'll get into that later, yeah. but is that, is that Lorenzo or Ricardo? <laughs> um, see, I thought, huh, I, you know, it could honestly be either one. I think it's, I think it's Lorenzo, maybe. I I was under the impression, then, at least for for starters, I was under the impression that it was a portrait of Lorenzo. But I mean, based on how he looks in the game, I don't know if that lines up. The, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I I was under the impression that Daniela and Lorenzo were kind of working together, and Ricardo was like a rogue agent in a sense. Hmm. Well, I'll I'll bring that up in Daniela's chapter again. Okay. Yeah, we'll I get have to it. My we'll own, have to rush through it. Yeah. So, as we venture out further into the castle, we stumble into Debilitas playing with a doll. He decides that we are much more interesting than the doll and begins chasing (laughs) us. Um, So, 
Debilitas is the first of a handful of stalkers who will pursue Fiona throughout the game. So this is like your your introduction to your first stalker. Being pursued, hiding from your pursuers, and eventually defeating your pursuer is like the main gameplay loop. Each chapter, like we said before, is structured around having a pursuer. It's kind of a nice like idea of a gameplay loop, I think. Uh, the whole like hide-and-seek thing is not my favorite gameplay element in the world. But uh yeah, I know I know you said you don't like being chased no, either. It turns me into an absolute moron. Like <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I like the idea. So it's just like it's hard for me to stomach throughout an entire game. Like Yes. I'm being chased the entire I like the idea of starting out powerless and then s- sort of becoming, you know, self sufficient self sufficient and like capable. Like, if I could actually fight towards the later half of the game, I'd be more down for it. And I think that's why Debilitas is my favorite pursuer, because it's just like, it makes sense that I can't do anything at the beginning and I'm running away from everything. I also like the idea of, like, a like a really, like, strong and, like, unstoppable force-type pursuer, rather than, like, a really smart and crafty one. Like, that makes more sense in my head, because you can't program the AI to be that smart like right and it it makes more sense that whenever i run into a room hide under a table debilitas just like walks past me right even though huey is just standing right there or something right right yeah yeah because huey (laughs) should be a dead giveaway but um yeah yeah it's like less of a leap of logic basically for the player right it's also worth noting so like when so each um pursuers like area of the game is ended with a boss fight against that pursuer but as you're running around um like in the castle you can use items and huey to like damage your pursuer enough so that like some points you can make them like actually run off because you've hurt them too much or you can like knock Mm -hmm. them unconscious for a little bit of time yeah yeah there's like a lot of ways to uh, sort of depending on the situation like take them out of the picture for some amount of time yes um but it's like kind of like hard i would say it's pretty like resource intensive to do because Mm -hmm. you know you would have to use the dog potentially have to heal the dog or use like items to do it which like this is a survival horror game so items are sort of like limited or like hard to come across so yep you know it's something to think about and if you can't figure out that godforsaken alchemy game then you're screwed right (laughs) you can't create anything else uh yeah real quick i don't i don't think i mentioned this anywhere let's just did you did you like figure that out? Because no, I, just, I was, I felt so stupid trying to do the alchemy thing. I, I don't think I really touched it. Like, I don't okay. remember. I mean, I remember looking at a guide for it and being like, oh, I'll just reference the guide because I don't. Yeah. <laughs> the, I don't know if we had, I don't know if we were looking at the same game facts guide, but I, I also had like an alchemy section where it was like, this, this means this and this means this. It's like, cool, cool. But am I stupid for not being able to like hit the button at the right time? Because it's basically like you have like a bunch of circles and they all spin around and occasionally it'll flash like a color and you want it to stop on that color. But it is so hard (laughs) to like react in time for the color. Right, right. Um, It's almost to the point where I'm like, is this supposed to be random? It's like gambling, like like a slot machine almost. Yeah, Yeah, I couldn't tell if like the cycle repeated at any point and you were supposed to like wait until it repeated 
I I eventually just stopped looking at the screen and just pressed X at random times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's how I had the most success. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. Yeah, that didn't really make any sense to me. So yeah, yeah. It's very items definitely limited. Yes. But back to the stalker thing um, and how, like you mentioned, liking an unintelligent but, like, super strong stalker. I think Debilitas is, like, the most frightening to me. Or he was the one that scarred me the most as a child for whatever reason. I could see that. I think because yeah. he's just so big and because it's, like... You couldn't reason with him. Yeah, yeah. There, like, there is, There's no reasoning with him. And also, um, it's not like his intent is, like... Uh, malicious yeah but it's still so creepy because he thinks he is destructive inherent yes like and also he touches his junk when he's like running at you yeah like, he'll pause and like touch his junk and it's like uh, uh, uh making me feel very uncomfortable <laughs> like yeah 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 have you seen the uh of mice and men movie <laughs> oh no but i read the book and i know exactly what you're talking about yes he is um yeah. uh what's his name lenny 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 yeah 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 yeah. Like he would kill um, you and it would be an accident, but it would be an awful yes. way to die. It felt very, I'm sure they were, uh, well, maybe, I mean, it's Japan. I don't know if the Of Mice and Men story is something that's widely known in Japan. It's not like a super like unique premise necessarily. So right. I wouldn't be surprised if it just like happened, you know, on its own. But um, in the movie, I remember watching the movie in like one of our classes in high school um, and yeah, I would. I was like, why is he touching his junk so much? Like, I guess that's just like a, a kind of direction whenever you're depicting, like, I, I mean, it's, impl it's, I think it's implied that he has like a mental disability, right? Unless there's like some lore reason for like how he is the way he is. So there is actually a lore reason. Um, okay. And do you just want to get into that part of the conversation now? Because we can. Yeah, let's, since let's it's do that. Because okay. I, I, miss, I miss this part. Yeah. So. So what I read from, and I, this is not something that I was able to find or that like I came across in the game. So in your notes, you said debilitas as a character uh, with, we assume mental disabilities being depicted as dangerous is like something that would be harder to stomach for like a modern audience and is yes. like um, arguably like really problematic, which I agree with. But in, so in the lore, um, Debilitas is, um, the way he is because he's actually, um, an incomplete being like Daniela and mm. Ricardo. He's a homunculus, um, that was created, I think, um, by like meshing a human and a dog. So, oh. yeah. So his like mental capacity is not because, um, he's like a disabled human, but because he has like the mental faculties of like a child or like a dog. Um, Okay. Yeah, and that's also, if you've noticed, like, when he's chasing you, and if you hide and he's looking for you, he'll stop and, like, sniff the air. That's why he does that. Oh, sometimes he runs up to you and sniffs you yeah. as well. Yeah, that's because so. he has, like, which, and also, like, dogs, like, they say that dogs have, like, the intelligence, intelligence of a two-year-old. So that's mm. probably part of, I mean, yeah. But I do agree that he's, I, I sus he's mm. coded as, like, a mentally disabled person which is <laughs> that's definitely the inspiration for like the sort of just character direction yes i guess yes. like um, how he carries himself and such yeah so and i think that that's worth you know being treating that very carefully uh but yeah there is like an in-universe reason for why he's um i guess quote-unquote mentally disabled 
Mm-hmm. So I I suspected that that was the case. Like it wasn't just that there was like a mentally handicapped person as like the groundskeeper. Yeah, or no. Something like, that. <laughs> like when everyone else is like super weird and superhuman. <laughs> right. So um so after we escape from Debilitas, uh, we explore the castle in search of a key, which leads us to the music room, and we are introduced to Ricardo, um, who sort of has a spiel about how Fiona will be his. Uh, he invites us to yes. examine what is hidden beneath a sheet um, on a couch in the room. Um, and I think when he's speaking to you, he's like up on a balcony, so he's not at like Fiona's eye level. He's she not just, visible yeah. at all. I don't think you see yeah, him. She, like the camera pans out and stuff, but I don't think you ever see him. Right. Um, and so when Fiona removes the sheet, it reveals a sculpture of um, Fiona, but she's um, very pregnant. Very pregnant. Yeah. So how did you feel? How did you feel about that? I That was like the last thing I expected. Um, and I was like, okay, so this is some weird game about, I don't know, uh, forced pregnancy. Like, I don't, I've, I'm like, I, I, cause I had no, you know, frame of reference coming into this game. So I'm like all over the place. Like, uh, so during that opening cutscene where you're like trapped in a room and like you or just like in like a sheet and stuff. It's like, what is the sort of intent behind my like captivity? <laughs> like, is this like you're you're kind of allowed to let your brain wander in a sense? It's like how nefarious or like is this like some sort of like sexual thing? Like, am I? I don't know. Like, what is what is the meaning behind my captivity? So this played into that as well it's like what what's going on right um (laughs) uh, yeah i'm excited to hear what you have to say about this yeah so one thing that um i think this game was praised for by critics at least that's my understanding was that it really nailed um the like disturbing sexual themes um Mm -hmm. and honestly like as a woman (laughs) i love the game for that um because like, how often do we see, um, you know, video games and media in general um, sexualizing women? Just, like, the most, like, over-the-top ridiculous, like, positions that you find women in. Um, I mean, not so much anymore, but, you know, like, even, like, 10 years ago, like, how much of that was going on. And it's not super often that you see that concept dissected and explored in such a way that shows us how creepy and threatening it can feel to be on the receiving end of that sexualization. So I just find it interesting how there's so much about this game that is built to like make you really feel like you're in that vulnerable, scary position. So like even like the outfit that Fiona changes into, um, that like the maid leaves for her, um, is sort of like meant to make her an object of sexual desire against her will. So, you know, like the, the, uh, skirt is super short. Um, the top is, I think it might be like a little bit low cut, but something that I don't. It's got no support. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say something that I don't quite know how to address is the boob jiggling. (laughs) Yeah, um, I mean, uh, <laughs> very prominent in right. the game. Yeah, because like if you fall, if you come to a sudden halt when you're running, your boobs will jiggle. And <laughs> you stop to pick up an item. Right. It's just anything. And it's like, is this for the player's enjoyment or, and this might be me just making the reach of the century, 
Um, is it like a weird mind game where it's like, oh, you see them boobs jiggle and you want to get excited. But don't you feel like maybe you're also a bit of a creeper for like looking at her that way, considering what she's going through? And it just very interesting. Yeah, it's just enough of a clash to make me like stop and think and be like, what is the player supposed to feel when they see her boobs jiggle? And I just this is so interesting because it's like it's like this weird piece of art that is I think maybe I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt probably not made with that like level of sort of commentary in mind. Yeah. And we could interpret the art that way if we wanted because of how it's presented. Right. Like that's oh, that's so weird. I think whenever you get into like I definitely lean towards the side of they were sexualizing this female character in this game like for the player's enjoyment or whatever yes yeah. um based off of like the outfits that you unlock the boob jiggles yeah <laughs> but you're right the themes of like the story and stuff are very like they're they're focused to things that uh, like being on the receiving end of sexualization like things that women would find you know particularly f- frightening about that so that is really interesting. That's a weird, weird dichotomy. And it's like, like I said, it's like, how do you as, I mean, I guess you would just have to sit down <laughs> with the with the game developers and be like, hey, why did you make her boobs jiggle if you want us to like feel bad about her? I don't know. Like, it's just. Because they really jiggle. Because they jiggle. <laughs> like you made them suckers wiggle, wobble around. And it's also so like. It it feels like they only have an up and down motion. They do. It's very strange. (laughs) Yeah. Like when you're running, it's kind of like you don't even notice it. Then it's like you stop and then they just go. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. So back. So back to the story. Um. So the key (laughs) that uh you get. Sorry. What key? I hope those little gamers are still hidden. Right, 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 right. So after, <laughs> sorry, so after the pregnant Fiona, after we've seen her boobs jiggling for, I don't know, maybe like a half hour at this point, um, <laughs> a key you obtain opens up a new er- area of the castle to explore, and we once again have a run-in with Debilitas. And you, oh, you have yeah. a quote about a pants pisser. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember this cutscene being a real pants pisser. I was playing with a guide, so it kind of diminished the horror from some aspects. But man, I was I was falling out of my proverbial chair in this in this scene. When he jumps up behind you. I love how it's like a it's shot and stuff too, because Fiona doesn't run, she kind of freezes, and Debilitas like puts his face like really close to her and stuff, and she just kind of slowly backs away. I really like it. It's very uncomfortable. Yes. And the framing of everything too. There's there's a lot of like really good cinematography. <laughs> well, we'll get into this later. There's some really good cinematography, like practices put into this game like uh how she's framed as she's like very low as she falls to the ground and stuff and debilitas is framed much higher um and that's kind of consistent throughout the game there's a lot of because it's a fixed camera game they are able to frame things a certain way while you're playing as well um and we'll get into that in more detail later but one of the upsides of that is the ability to frame a shot in a specific way while you're playing for cinematic reasons so yeah yeah. Real pants pisser. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, I knew that most of these run-ins were coming just from like past, like watching the Let's Play in the past. Um, so mm-hmm. for me, like the fear was more of like less of a surprise and more of like this like tense, like 
anticipation because it's like, I know it's coming and I hate it and I don't want it to happen, but like I have to go and do it anyway. And also the 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 scripted run-ins with Debilitas made me think, um, I wonder if the game would have been better or like gotten less irritating to play um, towards the end if they had just stuck to more like scripted run-ins with the stalkers. Does that make sense? Yes, I, I think so too. Instead of like a Mr. X situation where there is just a constant pursuer somewhere on the map that you can run into. Right. I think having a scripted runaway sequence and then it's over and maybe you don't convey to the player that they're safe, you know what I'm saying? But like they are technically safe, like because it, it does get annoying. But right. Not or- so much by this point. Or maybe having like specific, like smaller areas of the castle where it's like, Mm -hmm. this is like a short segment where the stalker is like free roaming around and you might run into them. But then like other like large portions of the castle, that's just not the case. I don't know. Yes. I think having some form of a safe room would be good. Like you'd have to come up with some story reason for like why your pursuer can't enter this room or whatever. But that's something that Resident Evil, I think, does pretty well. Like uh, in Resident Evil 4, whenever you see the blue light of the merchant, you're like, kind of, you're like, okay, what? The first time you're like, what is this? Nothing feels safe yet. Um, but then you realize it's like a non hostile person who is like just selling you things. And then the next time you see him, it's like, huh, okay, I guess this area is safe as well. And you're like, Eventually, you just associate that blue light of his, like, merchant area with safety. Yeah. And I think that it would have been really cool if, like, you, you're, you like, running through, you know, like a, a scary area. And then you, like, hear, like, you hear the clock ticking. And it's like, oh, safety is near. Like, and then you enter and it's like a relief, kind of like a little roller coaster thing where it's like, yeah. okay, it was really high. And now it's down. And I know that it's safe right now. Right. I think that... That'd be my preferred way of structuring this game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with that. So eventually, um, our pursuer Debilitas is stopped by Ricardo, uh, who then goes on to explain to Fiona how she ended up here. Uh, She and her parents were in a car crash that killed both her father and mother, um, who just so happened to be heirs to the castle. Uh, And so that means Fiona (laughs) is now the only surviving heir to the castle. Uh, Fiona faints and wakes back up in the bedroom. How many, I wonder how many like faints, like information faints Fiona has throughout this game. There's at least two where it's like, come on, girl, you're surviving some very stressful things and then some information takes you out. (laughs) Well, wait, is it three? Because I think she faints when Ricardo is like, has his Darth Vader moment. Yes, he, she does. Okay. But, um, I, I consider this to be like the prologue of the game. You're introduced to, mm, you're introduced to all characters except lorenzo but i think that you are exposed to lorenzo through like a writing or something so you know that there's like a another character maybe unnamed or something but you get yeah. daniela ricardo and you have this mysterious fourth character um and you kind of you know you get a you get a little bit of a feel for all of them you don't know everything but like the story Kind of, it stops. It's it's less guided from this point on, um, and we're about to be introduced to another character, the last character. Uh, if you want to continue, sure. Um, so from the bedroom, Fiona sees a white German Shepherd caught and tied up to a tree outside. 
Uh, she frees the dog and has another run-in with Debilitas. This time, the dog jumps in to save her and scares off Debilitas. Uh, Fiona pieces together that this is the same dog uh, that she saw in the opening cutscene of the game and that the collar she found must belong to him. So this is Huey. Yes. Uh, I love Huey. Um, I love I love the uh, sort of like aesthetic choice of making him a white German shepherd. I feel like having an all-white guard dog is like it conveys to the player that you know this is sort of like a uh like a like a protector but also like <laughs> i think being white as opposed to just being like a regular black and brown german shepherd is like oh this is like a a good character like this yes is, i don't know it's not yeah, gonna it turn helps. around and bite me or something right it helps him stick out from the environment because a lot of the environments are kind of like gray or like muddy browns yes, and stuff like that, that. Too. And like, you know, obviously white is like associated with purity and goodness. And so it's like, oh, it's very fitting little... for Fiona because. Yeah, because, yeah. yeah, her outfit's pale. Her hair is like platinum blonde. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's um, it's like Huey is like your little uh, guardian angel sort of a thing. Basically. Yeah. Um, also, the uh, the um, music box that plays the like music box or what's it i'm having like a hard time <laughs> you know like the music box the, soundtrack thing that plays like whenever something good happens or like, like when you when you interact with huey there's like this music box i don't want to yeah, say music box music <laughs> yeah but, okay yeah i thought you meant like an actual music box in the game but i know what you're saying no. now yeah, yeah it's the like soundtrack. a real it's a little unsettling but it's also like winding down and like a little calmer and like yeah more tender you feel well, safer Right. Something about it is, yeah, very tender, but it's also like really sad. And that mm -hmm. music yeah, yeah, plays... Yeah, yeah, it's like a lower... Yeah. Yeah. So like Again, when you... we don't know anything about music. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, all that I was trying to say is when I rescued Huey and Fiona has that first sweet like interaction with him because uh, he saves her or whatever. And she's like, oh, like Huey, good boy, good boy. And she's like so nice to him. And he's like being mm -hmm. sweet to her back. Literally made me tear up. I don't know why. <laughs> But it just like yeah, I I get me. that. I get that. Yeah, yeah. They nailed that moment. Yeah, I guess it's. I guess that would be Huey's theme. Maybe I don't oh know if it happens God. at any other point. Sage just what? appeared in the doorway and scared the absolute crap out of me. This you picked the worst <laughs> game that we could have been talking about to do that to me. Sage is your pursuer right now. Huh? You want your headset? Oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, he he's my <laughs> pursuer. Oh, Sage, say something to the listeners. Hey, do you want to say something? Um, come, come, get up to the mic. Hi, YouTube. What do I need to say? No. What? Do you, uh, hi. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Do you? I've been, I've been Discord messaging you, and you haven't read them. The uh -oh. audience loves Sage. The audience loves you. Thank you. I love you too, audience. I don't read, know. Read your Discord messages. <laughs> okay, he told me to read my Discord messages. I guess he's been trying to talk to me while I'm. He's recording. been trying to communicate. Yeah. Anyway. While you're, while you're podding. <laughs> right. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite things about Huey is the fan theory that he is the same dog that you save in Resident Evil Four. Yes. I don't know if you saw this as well. So you saw the cutscene where you're saving the dog as Leon, where you, like he's in like a bear trap, and you're like, "Oh, I haven't uh, seen the cutscene. No." Okay. Okay. So there's two. There's two moments where he appears in Resident Evil Four. Um, towards the beginning of the game, you run into a dog that. A, a white dog like Huey, 
very similar. I'm not sure if he's the exact same model. I mean, like, it reasonably could be the same model. Like, you know, same developer. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they're working pretty closely. Uh, hey, we got a dog that, we got a dog model. Do you want to use that dog? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a really, he's a really so good maybe, boy. He's a good boy. So maybe, I don't know, maybe, uh, I don't know. I don't know how games are made. Um, <laughs> Put that dog on a but, USB uh, and bring him over here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, very similar looking dog. You uh, free him from a bear trap at the beginning of the game. He runs away. And then later on in a boss fight, uh, he comes back and aids you. We get the amazing line from Leon. Hey, it's that dog. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we gotta play Resident Evil. Yeah. Leon is such, he's such a fucking idiot. <laughs> it's the so himbo. funny. Yeah. Where'd everybody go? Bingo? <laughs> it's. Is that an actual line? Oh my yeah, gosh. So Towards the beginning of the game, there's like a, there's like a church bell that rings and it like signals all of the like enemies to like leave you. And he's like, where'd everybody go? Bingo? It's so good. <laughs> It's so funny. There's like this whole like there's like this whole like theory that like Leon is like actually mentally disabled. (laughs) Because like in the beginning of like Resident Evil 2 and stuff, he just like he's this cop that's like wandering into this like zombie apocalypse and it takes him forever to piece together that there's like zombies. (laughs) He's like he walks into a gas station, he's like, Wow, the service is really bad here. (laughs) There's like no one there. It's so funny. Uh, (laughs) He's just like standing at the cash register waiting for someone to like help him. (laughs) He's He's like, hey, ring, ring. You got a customer up here. Right. (laughs) But he's like an action movie guy. So it's so funny. (laughs) I love him so much. All right. We got it through Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. All right. Maybe we'll do that for the... um, uh, the remake comes out in March. Oh yeah, Maybe we, we should. Do Resident Evil Four for March. We should. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Maybe that would work. All right. All right. Anyway, back anyway, to yeah. I love, I love that. I love that they're similar. I like to. I mean, it's both set in like a sort of undisclosed Spanish area, <laughs> right? Area in Spain. <laughs> so reason reasonably, you know, you could make that leap of logic that they're set in the same universe. I don't know. I think it's cool if it's an homage. At least, I think that's cool. Like, I don't know. I'd be a little disappointed if this happened and they just, like, did not piece together that they have two dogs that look very similar in a very similar geographical area. Right. We'll we'll see what happened was Leon frees the dog from the bear trap. He runs off and gets caught in, like, the the noose around the tree or whatever. And then the whole plot of Haunting Ground happens. And then he makes it back in time for the boss (laughs) fight. Like, that's... Anyway. um... That would be fun. (laughs) Actually, I think that may work out scheduling wise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like right. honestly, yeah. Does Haunting Ground happen in the span of like just one really bad afternoon? We don't actually know. I think so. I mean, like it starts out. Well, it's hard to tell. She sleeps at certain. She, yeah, she anyway. faints. Anyway, all right. So. Uh, with our new companion, Hu- Huey, uh, we explore the castle further and we enter a room with a ringing phone. Uh, when we pick up the phone, we hear a weak-sounding voice warning us about Ricardo, um, which I think that's Lorenzo, right? This talking on the phone then? Yes, okay. that is Lorenzo. 
Um, there's also a missable cutscene where we peep through a keyhole to see Ricardo interrogating Daniela, asking her where the old man is. Um, and in that cutscene, he is like beating Daniela, like just like slapping her across the face, which I mean, you mm-hmm. know, is not good, but. <laughs> and she's just kind of like a uh, stiff this whole time. She's not really reacting in any sort of way. She's just taking a hit, turning back. Like it's not really. It seems weird. Like she's not reacting in any way. Right. Um, and after this cutscene, uh, or at the end of this cutscene, Daniela like turns to the keyhole that Fiona is peeping through. And for some reason, Fiona has a major panic attack. <laughs> right. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't think we mentioned the panic system in this game. But no, we haven't. As you inter- as you interact with like certain things, um, your panic goes up. And it just, like, it becomes harder to see the screen. And eventually you reach a point where Fiona, like, screams and you just have no... You have control over her, but you're basically, like, steering her and she's permanently running. Yes. This is one of those moments where I was like, why? (laughs) Like, because up until this point, it's not really clear. Like, Daniela is, like, the only person who's been, like, kind of neutral slash good to you. Right. Like, she hasn't threatened you. She hasn't, like, carved out a pregnant version of you right. and made you look at it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, if anything, you think the pregnant statue would put her into panic mode, not the... Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Like... Because, like, just... the purpose of the panic attack when you see, you know, Daniela being slapped around, I it, it struck me as like, a, oh, this is like a tutorial thing to help me understand that if I panic or if I let Fiona get panicky, this is what happens. But yeah, it would have made mm-hmm. way more sense to do it at not that specific time. Yeah, because it's like it happened and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be chased now by Ricardo nope. or something. <laughs> But no, I don't, I mean, because you like let out a scream and they're talking about you and stuff. Right. And just nothing happens. Yeah, they, they don't follow uh, you. They're just like, oh, what was that? <laughs> yeah. And this is a, uh, this is a missable scene as far as I'm aware. There's actually quite a few missable scenes. Um, basically, if you like know the puzzles going back into it, you can dodge major or like large sections of the game. Uh, just by like skipping them because it's like, oh, I already know the solution. I don't need to like go through all these steps to figure out the solution sort of thing. Right. And I don't know. I, I kind of like how um, uh, modular this game's story is. Like um, it, you always end up at the same spot, basically. I mean, there's like a couple of different endings, but you're kind of funneled through the same thing and you can make like slight deviations each turn. It's like you can take a different road to get on the same or to get to the same destination, basically. Right. Uh, there's a bunch and, of like small stuff like that. Yeah. And I would assume based on, I don't actually know how this Docker AI works, but I, I feel like there's sort of like a randomness with the encounters. So like each playthrough is probably going to like be just slightly different. You know what I mean? Just because mm-hmm. you don't know when. Yeah. Which I don't yeah. know if that's uh, kind of good for replay value, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I think that doing stuff like that, like you are rewarding the people who are knowledgeable about the game. Yeah. So that's, I like to see that. That's good for a single player game like this. Yeah, definitely. So in search of another key, we find ourselves in a chapel. Um, As we are searching the area, Debilitas enters the room and locks what appears to be the only exit and we begin our first boss fight. 
Uh, so there are two ways of defeating Debilitas. You can e- you can either um, make him like uh, break these winches that uh, drop a chandelier on his head, um, <laughs> which won't kill him, but will make him leave you alone for the rest of the game. Or uh, you and Huey can bite and kick him to death. Huey does the biting, <laughs> to be clear. Fiona does the kicking. Because <laughs> that's all you got. <laughs> right. You got boots and teeth. That's all you got to work with. Yeah. Well, and these little um, like bomb things that you can throw that like little powdery. That's true. An- an- I never messed with them or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I never messed with them. <laughs> yeah, I assumed that you were only supposed to leave them as traps, and then I saw a video where someone was throwing them. So, yeah, some yeah. some you drop and some you can throw, and it will tell you like in the item description, which mm. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, how did you end up defeating Debilitas? Uh, I did. Well, I knew about the two options, so I dropped the chandelier on him. Yeah, that seems to be like the preferable way to do it. Like time-wise and story-wise, like it's a better ending, I think, because it's kind of it's a little mean to kill him. Yeah, well, yeah, because <laughs> like like I said, he's like the only one whose intent isn't like really malicious. It's just more like a. I mean, so so what happens is, so this whole time he's been after you because he he sees you as like a doll, as like a plaything, right? But when you drop the chandelier on him, he looks at a um like goddess statue or like I don't know if it's like an angel, I don't know, some like feminine statue in the chapel, and he makes the connection between that statue and Fiona and like recognizes her as like a goddess or as something to be respected and not toyed with. So that's what mm-hmm. makes him like respect you and like yeah stop chasing you gotcha yeah i was kind of yeah that makes sense i was kind of under the impression that like he's only like um sort of respectful of your authority at the end of the game but yeah that makes sense too because he does leave you alone and he's technically like still reachable you can run out to his shack and interact with him yeah so um there's four endings in the game depending on uh how you choose to defeat Debilitas, uh, that'll impact which of the endings you're still able to receive. And there is a sort of like secret, it, this feels like a more like secret kind of fun ending, uh, which you can only get if you've completed the game once already. Uh, so after your fight with Debilitas, if you drop a chandelier on his head, then go to speak to him in his hut, you begin a series of events where you can obtain a key to unlock the front gate and basically beat the game early. Uh, which is really fun. I love stupid stuff like that. Yeah. I kind of understand why they didn't make it available to someone playing the game for the first time, but I don't know. I kind of feel like why not to an extent. Like you can you're saving throughout the game, so like if you want to come back and not do that, you could. Right. Yeah. But it's 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 whatever. Yeah. I think if you do it normally, like if you do it on your first playthrough, you just unlock like an item or something. Yeah, I yeah, I don't see the harm in just having it there regardless of whether or not you've beaten the game before. So having now acquired the key you were seeking, uh, you head to the corresponding door, but before you are able to unlock this new area, Daniela stops you and insists you come to dinner. Uh, yeah, so that, that concludes the first chapter of the game, the very long first chapter of the game. We defeat Debilitas and everything like that. And uh, now we move on to a Daniela-focused chapter. Uh, Chapter two is titled, I Am Not Complete. Um, And during your dinner with Daniela, she begins to reveal her backstory. She was created to be a perfect woman, uh, but she has no feelings. 
Um, and after Fiona leaves the room, we get a cutscene with just her where she tastes the food and then just kind of mutters that she isn't complete. Uh, then we're back to Fiona, who's feeling sick from the food. And I forgot to write the rest of this. Oh, no, no, no didn't. you didn't. I interrupted this because I saw that you didn't have this noted. And I didn't know if you knew. But oh. it's implied that Fiona gets sick from the food because it was like her parents that she ate. What? Yes. So, remember... Oh, man, there's lightning. As you said that, there was a lightning oh. strike. <laughs> Spooky story hour. She ate her parents. Yeah. I love it. Uh <laughs> so in the opening scene of the game, when you see Debilitas cutting up like bloody meat. Yes. Yeah, I oh think I think that was her parents. Um, really? Yeah. And then um, at some point in the kitchen, when the soup is still in the kitchen, uh, you can walk up to it and examine it. And Fiona will say something along the lines of like, oh, this looks like angel hair pasta. But I think later after she eats it, there's a line where she's like, I'm pretty sure that soup... Or like that pasta was human hair. So I think it's implied oh. that she like ate her her dead parents. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and that would also make sense with the, with the Daniela tasting the soup and saying, I am not complete because that soup was made from a complete woman. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyway. Uh, so I understand. Yeah. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought she was just tasting the soup and it made her have some sort of realization. No. <laughs> She's like, I cannot cook. Well, actually, it might I am have. not complete. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I am a bad chef. I am not complete. Yeah, good pasta will do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after after she gets, you know, just feeling sick from eating her parents, um, <laughs> she goes back to the bedroom, lays down, has a little sleep. Uh, and during her nap, we get another creepy cutscene with Daniela where she's running her hands all over Fiona's body in a very strange manner. Fiona wakes up as she uh, grabs her stomach. Then, Daniela calmly walks to the window and stares at her own reflection. She reiterates the flirt. <laughs> she reiterates the flight. <laughs> she reiterates the phrase, I am not complete, and then begins to smash her head repeatedly into the window until it shatters. She then takes a shard of glass from the window which is really cool. She looks at herself, gives it a little smooch, uh, and then starts chasing Fiona around the castle. We got a brand new pursuer. Um, personally, I thought it would have been pretty cool, pretty metal, if her face was all messed up after this. Right? I hate like it. it was all bloody yeah, or something. Yeah. That would have been really cool. Because she, as she's getting slapped around by Ricardo, 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 as she's getting slapped around by Ricardo, God. <laughs> Anyway, when she's getting slapped around earlier, her, her little mouth gets, like, bloodied and stuff. Uh, so, it would have been, like, I don't know if you, like, take it as far as, like, her face is gone after she smashes her head into the glass. That would have been pretty, pretty cool. Uh, but, like, if her hand was all bloodied from grabbing the shard something. Right. Uh, or if... I think that would have been more freaky. Yeah, or if she would have had, like, a cracked like sort of pattern over her forehead that looked like the glass that she cracked. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Just Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah. I love her design a lot. I love that her weapon is a reflection of herself. Yes. And that's, it's so good. 
Just so, it's also just like a striking sort of image to see someone chasing you with a giant shard of glass. Right. And they the way she grips it and it like cuts her hand, but she just has no regard for that. Like Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Um if you interact with her in a specific area later in this section, uh her weapon will actually change to a hot stick of metal. So that's cool too. Uh but I prefer the glass. She also like does more damage to you when she has that stick, so Oh, that's something you should try to avoid yeah. if you're using a guide knowing it, knowing it's about to happen. But uh, yeah, anyway, so uh, a unique way to deal with Danielle as opposed to Debilitas is you can lead her to a mirror while she's chasing you, and then she'll stop chasing you, stare at her own reflection, and start screaming, uh, which is neat. Yes. Um, it's also worth noting that the mirror trick, like you can't just keep leading her back to the same mirror because she will smash the mirrors like she did the window. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that part though. Yeah. I don't even think, I don't know if Ricardo has like a special gimmick like that. Not that I'm aware of. Uh, yeah. I think she's the only one with like a real, like, this is her thing, which is cool. It would have been, would have been neat to have like each, each character that pursues you have like a, specific way of you know disrupting them but right um really just daniela i think it's also maybe worth mentioning that i think she's faster than debilitas like she like yes, power walks at you and you better uh-huh. run and she doesn't stop and sniff you. right so yeah it's 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 the uh pursuers increase in difficulty and we'll get into that in chapter three especially which is uh well chapter three and four is just bullshit incarnate. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, after you escape Daniela and head back to the door you tried to open before dinner, you will actually see Daniela cleaning the room that, you know, that, that puzzle room that you were in, uh, just acting all normal. She doesn't attack you. You can even go up and talk to her and it's all, all chill, which is interesting. They portray Daniela as a character that is just completely unhinged and like broken, but I guess trying to like maintain some sort of like, I don't know what you would describe it as. Like she's, she's trying to keep it together very strictly and stuff, but then she just like will crack and break. And I think that her occasionally just kind of like, you know, she'll go from chasing you to, you know, just going back to normal. Like, Oh, I'm the maid I'm cleaning. Right. Uh, that's pretty neat. I, I was confused. Does it say anywhere? Cause she says that she's, created right did lorenzo create her or did ricardo create her i don't remember um i i have to assume lorenzo like and also it's kind of weird because it's like i think they're all clones of the same person or like reincarnations of the same original person right uh i don't actually know i mean i know daniela is also a homunculus obviously because she's right unhinged right yeah she's not complete yeah uh, <laughs> In this next area of the game, there's a lot of letters and journal entries that uh, kind of reveal what the what the H is going, what the H-E double hockey sticks is going on around here. <laughs> um, so we find uh, journal entries across this area dating back, you know, hundreds of years, like 1700s, 1800s, like all around the place. Um, and it all kind of feels like journal entries from the same alchemist that's chasing eternal life. So that's that's kind of why I assumed that they're all like kind of the same person, but there's like multiple people, so it's like hard to. I it's, I, I struggle to like have a firm grasp of like the lore that's taking place, right? Like the backstory and stuff, but 
Uh, Fiona needs to solve a long series of puzzles to continue deeper into the castle. Um, eventually, she finds herself in a room with a projector. Uh, and when she plays it, it shows footage of her ver- at various points throughout her journey doing things around the castle. At the end of the reel, we see Daniela slashing through the screen, uh, which is pretty cool. I yeah. like that she was just waiting there. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, we have a confrontation with her again where we kind of try to be like, hey, why, why are you, uh, what are you doing? What, uh, what's your problem with me, dude? Uh, she states that she wants her Azoth, which I believe that in journal entries we've heard the word Azoth mentioned throughout this, but... I think this is the first time that it's acknowledged like in a cutscene by a character. Maybe Ricardo prior to this, but I'm not I'm not certain about that. She mentions uh the Azoth as the essence of life and the essence of woman, maybe, or she just says woman. It's, she's like kind of broken in her speech pattern right now. But that kind of gives us an idea of what the Azoth is. It confused me throughout the whole game and I still don't really understand what it is. Yeah. I guess it's just like some sort of like life essence that is only in real people. Maybe? So I don't know. So according to the um, the clock tower wiki, which is where the I noticed that yeah, yeah it was the clock tower wiki, which is cool. right. Um, so Azoth, also known as the Stone of the Wise Man or the Philosopher's Stone, is a vague element mentioned in Haunting oh. Ground and one of the most important symbols of alchemy. Azoth is necessary in order to create artificial life. Because of this, it can be considered to be the, the essence of life or soul. Um, and then I saw, like, on Wikipedia, or wait, yeah, sorry, what does, when when you ask the question, what does Azoth mean, the definition and meaning, it says Mercury regarded by alchemists as the first principle of metals, the universal remedy of para, Paracelsus? I don't know what mm. that is. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of like the Philosopher's Stone in uh, Harry Potter, uh, but because <laughs> uh, right. that's like the premise of the first book. So I, yeah, it's like a universal sort of alchemy trope, symbol, thing, idea, concept. So that makes sense. I, I don't know, because Fiona is not the only person with Azoth. That's kind of what i was led to believe at first well i think there's um (laughs) i think there's something there's like a library in the game and there's something that talks about how you know the luminescence do you know what that is yeah glowy balls how they're drawn i don't think i mentioned it anywhere in this document but yeah right glowy balls that chase you around and make you panic right if they hit you you panic and i think they also alert your yes. stalker at the time or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think it says, I mean, I know that luminescence are drawn to Azoth, but I don't know. See, I was confused if the Azoth was part of like, if it was because Fiona was born from like a non-homunculus woman. You know what I mean? Because like her mom was a real human yeah. and not a, hum- a homunculus like her father was. Or does she have it because she was born of a homunculus and... Because if Azoth is the source of artificial life, then I don't know. Mm. It's not really, I don't know if it's really explained. I'm not certain on this, but there's a section later on where we'll pick up this conversation again when we get to chapter four. Oh, wait. Oh, hold on. No, sorry. The wiki explains it. (laughs) 
<laughs> so it says all living organisms and creatures have a little Azoth inside of them. So, <laughs> so it can be thought of as a, a life force. However, because Fiona Belli is from the Belli lineage of alchemists and a descendant of alchemist uh, Aureolus, yeah, Aureolus Belli, her Azoth yeah. is more potent and she was targeted by Daniela, Ricardo, and Lorenzo. Because of this that. This starts to feel like Metachlorians in Star Wars. Yeah. It is strongly hinted the Azoth exists inside the female womb as it is the origin of human life. Mm. What? So. Sorry. That, I'm sorry. There's something in parentheses here. Um, it says there's also an optional scene of Ricardo poking a rod into Fiona's vagina and analyzing it. Uh, what? Yeah. What? I, I never saw um, that. So. In, in looking into like the cutscenes of this game, um, I saw that as well. I I didn't. I don't know if it's tied to the bad ending. Um, what? It may be, but it's 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 after after she faints in chapter three. Um, How did I not? So we're just skip, skipping all around. Oh. but um, <laughs> she she he's testing for like her cycle basically. Oh, um, it's weird. Oh, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Anyway, all um, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. So using the information she gained from the projector, she's able to continue to the um, second floor of the library um, and to this, like, observatory-looking place uh, where you have your second boss battle with Daniela. This boss battle is fairly straightforward. You see four blocks set along path, set along, like, an individual sort of path thing, and you basically just need to push them to the end of their path while Daniela is trying to kill you. So you're telling Huey to like attack Daniela so you can run over and like push the thing along a little bit further. Maybe you kick her a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's uh pretty simple. It's also a little funny. Like <laughs> it's just like I don't know. It's like this whole time you're running away from her and then it's like, oh, the boss battle where I push these blocks in us right <laughs> along the set path. Yeah. But uh it ends with um the blocks kind of revealing a um, reflection in the middle of the room. Uh, Danielle lets out a tremendous scream that shatters the observatory glass ceiling, and this giant shard falls down and impales Danielle, uh, leaving her dead. She's she's dead as hell. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> also, as she dies, she like smiles, like she's like happy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she finally fell. I know. Well, that's what I thought. I maybe that's yeah. Maybe that's what's implied there. But yeah. So what did I say? Just say what you wrote. It's disgusting me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so um, if in in Daniela's segment, if at any point she like kills you and you get the game over screen, um, there is some interesting audio that plays where Daniela like cackles with glee and you hear, I, I don't remember Fiona screams or not, but you hear a, a, a ripping noise and it's implied that it's Daniela ripping out your womb um mm. so that's nice that makes sense i think I, I died to her and i was like oh she's just cutting up my body or something well i mean kind of yeah <laughs> i mean yeah that is what she's doing but the fact that it's more targeted makes it more uncomfortable <laughs> well yeah and back to like the original themes of this um of like the narrative and and stuff that's going on like the sexualization and stuff i think it's also interesting that the only like female character um 
is like just overwhelmed with what's basically jealousy and how that's also yeah. like a very toxic, awful thing that like why why women got to be fighting each other? <laughs> like, can't we all just like, <laughs> <laughs> women do be like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Like can't can't oh, can't us girls just hang out and have a good time? Like why we gotta? Yeah, let's leave these boys alone. Go have like a little right girls' night out. Yeah, Fiona and Danielle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all women are um, queens. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> if she breathes, yeah, she's a thought. Okay. Um, this is uh. So whenever um you mentioned that. The death noise thing. Mm-hmm. I, I brought that up in the next chapter as well because there's like some weird noises being made whenever your next pursuer kills you. Um, but whenever Debilitas kills you, I, I couldn't tell what was happening exactly. I don't remember if I ever actually died to Debilitas. I didn't die to him, so I don't know. I want to say that I... So one of my favorite things to do whenever something in, in a game like this. So it's like Debilitas chases you and it's like, oh, I'm so scared. I don't know what's going to happen. And it's like, hmm, what if I just found out what was going to happen? Then I'd probably be less scared. So I just let myself die. Oh. I'm just like, oh, that's what happens. <laughs> that's kind of how I defeat the being scared part. Right, right. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I feel like he just kind of like giggled and stuff. He probably was just playing with your body, honestly. Yeah, like a uh, dolly. <laughs> like a dolly, yeah. yeah. So that makes sense. All right. So uh, you want to get into chapter All three? All right. Chapter three is called, Let Me Into Your Womb. Which is weird because that line is said in the next chapter, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, anyway. So, um, Daniela drops a key to the next area, um, and as you begin exploring that area, you find a room with a human-looking creature in a test tube. Then Ricardo makes an entrance, entrance and demands that Fiona come with him. Fiona refuses because, I mean... I can't blame her. Uh, (laughs) And just like that, we have a new pursuer. Um, Only this time, he has a gun, and he can kill you in one shot, which is fun. Yeah, this is uh, the point where... This is the chapter where I ended up stopping, because, goddamn, I was dying a lot. So, Uh, (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I just had some sort of miraculous luck, but Ricardo did not get me. Okay. I don't know so, how that happened. <laughs> let me, uh, I think I wrote this somewhere else, but let me bring this up. Um, I think I ran into a bug. So this game is actually kind of difficult. I've heard that it's difficult to emulate. Um, I don't know if you ran into like texture issues or anything like that. I don't remember. From what you said, it seemed mostly yeah. fun. I know that like I, I saw one playthrough where like the texture was all messed up whenever, uh, spoiler, Ricardo eventually is able to turn invisible. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and there was like a weird texture glitch happening there, but so I'm playing this on a modded PS2, playing it, playing the uh, ISO through hard drive, and the uh, so what some of the things that I noticed just like quirks to playing it that way. If I ever paused the game for like an extended period of time and came back to it, it it would be fine. Like I could unpause it, but if I left the room, it would freeze for like five seconds. And I would, like, hear the hard drive spinning up again. So I guess, like, the hard drive, like, fell asleep or something like that. (laughs) And it just, you know, had to catch up and then it was back to normal. So whenever I'm being pursued by one of my pursuers, um, hide under the table, I get the little hiding prompt. And it's like, coast is clear. You know, the music comes back to normal. It's like, okay, I'm safe. I exit the room. 
like the pursuer is just standing right there. <laughs> oh, oh, the coast is clear is a liar. That's <gasps> why it lies. It is. Yeah. Well, okay. So you did say that the music came back. Yeah, you're supposed to wait for the music to come back. But if if you if the music came back and then he was still right outside, Maybe I, wasn't. I don't know. I may I may not have been waiting for the music. Okay. To come well, back. you're supposed to. Like, Coast is clear. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. That's like a a thing that everybody who plays the game a lot is like. Oh yeah. Don't listen to Coast is clear. It lies. Wait for the music. Interesting. Yeah. So, so okay. That, so maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't a glitch. Maybe it was just a little. Uh, gotcha. A little bit of little bit of bullshit sprinkled yeah, in by the developer. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it might have been. Um. So yeah, that's neat. Um. <laughs> but yeah, that was. Uh, I died to Ricardo mm, two or three times because of that, and I had to like repeat that entire section where you enter this new chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So. That was basically where I gave up, where you're trying to, like, create the godstone. Yeah, past this is all uh, experiences that I lived vicariously <laughs> through another player. Also, this is the point in the game where I was kind of getting annoyed by the whole being chased yeah, thing. Yeah, I was, I was feeling like, it. Can I have some agency? Right, yeah. Like, can I fight back in some way? But, right, especially since he has yeah. a literal gun. He's got a gun, right. and it will kill you. It will end you. Also, why is he trying... To murder me. <laughs> Doesn't he specifically right. want me alive? Right. Well, hold on. Now you say, not sure what to infer from these creepy ass post death sounds. I never heard them because I didn't get got. All right. Dab on me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, so I don't know what you were hearing. Um, he was making some noises and I'm like, is he, is he shagging my dead body? Is that happening? Well, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. So this is another thing with Ricardo that we can... Yeah, let's get into it now. We can skip it later. Okay. Is Ricardo sexualizing Fiona or does he just... Is it more practical like, I need your womb to give birth to me again? I think... I think his... Hmm. Well, hmm. I'm not going to say that he's incapable of feeling sexual attraction. Because Ugo, his clone, obviously did because Fiona happened, right? Oh, that's true. So yeah. from that point, uh, I feel like he's more enticed by the being reborn thing. I think so, too. Yeah. Um, it does seem like a more like a medical thing and he's not really that concerned. Well, also, there's some weird thing where I think that Ricardo specifically lacks human emotions. Well, so in the ending... I don't, I don't know. But in, so in the end, in the bad ending that we've already talked about where, right? wait, did we talk about, hold on. No, you know, we, we can, Oh, do you want to, we can wait until we, I think it's at the end of this Okay. We'll, 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 we'll wait. We'll get we'll to wait. it in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, did you have anything to say about the test tube room? Oh God. Yeah. The, uh, so on your way to this chapter, as you're like exiting the Daniela boss fight, making your way to this you know, the, the, the intro bit of this, uh, you run into a new enemy called a failure. Um, or at least that's how I heard them referred to in the guide that I was using. Um, I don't know if they have like a canon name necessarily, but basically there's, there's these little like gross looking little baby guys, little baby homunculuses. <laughs> and it scared the piss out of my bladder. Uh, whenever I first encountered them because it's just like, oh, I just beat this boss 
and you're kind of you're kind of assuming like this period of time after you beat the boss is a safe time. Yeah. And then you're just perusing down, going to this new area. And then because of like how the camera's positioned, you see this little baby dude just waddling at you. And you're like, what? What? What the fuck is this? What if, What is this? <laughs> this little baby man. Uh, and then you can like slowly kick him to death, but like Huey, I think, kills him in one hit. I was going to um, say, I couldn't really like kick them. Like I would just kind of let them like grab me and then Huey would like instantly destroy them. <laughs> so yeah. and also that's I think it's interesting that they really really freaked you out for whatever reason they didn't they didn't scare me I think because I was like oh it's just a little man like that's not a big deal <laughs> I've I've fought much bigger I fought debilitas I don't need to worry about this little man uh, <laughs> I think it was just big enough to be scared okay <laughs> like if it was smaller yeah if it was a little like ant sized baby yeah I wouldn't notice yeah. so just step on <laughs> right, him by accident right but. He's big enough to be scary. Like, I don't know. He's at the size where I feel responsible for him. Okay. That's the, uh, <laughs> the responsibilities of parenthood. Also, though, can we can we appreciate the symbolism and like the the thematicness of, you know, like forced pregnancy being a scary part of this game and also being attacked oh. by little babies? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's if that's not a metaphor there, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So after a long and confusing series of puzzle solving, you unlock a door which leads you to the forest. Uh, Huey starts growling at a bush, jumps into it, and shortly after we hear a gunshot, uh, and we rush into the forest to look for Huey. Eventually, Ricardo catches up to you and reveals his master plan to you. You find out that your dad um, was a clone of Ricardo, um, <laughs> and a you know a weird. Darth Vader, not Darth Vader, where it's like, I'm your father, technically kind of biologically the same as your father, not quite your father. Fiona, I am your uncle. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> and he was the reason behind the car crash um, that brought you to the castle and killed your parents. Um, and he plans on using your Azoth um, to give birth <laughs> to him again. And get the Azoth. Because I guess you pass it along. Right, and live... Only the firstborn, I guess. Yeah, and, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and live eternally. Uh, so, depending on your actions here, um, and up until this point, you can get ending D, uh, which is the bad ending. So, you unlock, I guess, or receive this ending if... <laughs> <laughs> you are... You are punished. Right. With, you, your sentence is dealt as. Right. Pretty yeah. much. Uh, so if you treat uh, Huey poorly throughout the game, and if you do not find and heal him in the forest, uh, Ricardo succeeds with his plan um, in, uh, I guess, getting your Azoth or whatever. Basically, <laughs> you get an ending scene where Fiona is pregnant um, and Ricardo, Ricardo was there and Fiona just... Uh, starts laughing hysterically i want to know if someone got that ending it was like that's a weird way to end the right. game right. <laughs> like oh that sucks um well i guess that's yeah. it <laughs> they were just kicking the dog the whole time like it was normal right yeah. like it's yeah yeah i don't know how you could treat huey poorly i mean unless you're just like frustrated with him i don't know if you don't like train him or something i don't know yeah i don't know 
So back to the discussion we were just having about whether or not Ricardo experiences sexual attraction towards Fiona. Uh, It is worth noting that in this scene, Fiona is asleep in like a rocking chair and like the camera pans out and you can see that she's like heavily pregnant. Um, Mm -hmm. And Ricardo walks up to her and like gently caresses her face. And it seems as like, it's like, okay, is this like supposed to be a gentle gesture or is it just like you're just so like happy because it's like oh i get to have my my rebirth now or whatever it's yeah you don't really I, that's how i interpret it yeah but yeah more of like a prized possession instead of yeah like this is my this is my work right right, right here um like, yeah so yeah i don't think it's i mean the the sexualness of it is supposed to be like the big like creep factor i guess yeah um but probably not his motivation then or you know yeah i I personally i understand people who read into the game as these other characters sexualizing fiona as like a a a sexual object but that's really not how i kind of interpret it it really seems like she's more of a tool that everyone is after yeah and it's just like an unfortunate uh, creepy coincidence that it has to do with her like reproductive stuff. Right. <laughs> so after uh, like at the end, the 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 ending shot of um the bad ending is Fiona laughing. She wakes up and just starts laughing hysterically. Like it's clear that she's you know lost her mind. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen like some confusing takes about that ending where people say, "Oh, Fiona!" Like the the hysterical laughter is because she lost her mind from abuse. Um, but other people say that she lost her mind because, uh, she lost her as off. Um, like a person without as off is not whole anymore or something like that. Um, mm. so I don't know, maybe, or maybe it's a mix of both. I'm not sure. Worth, worth thinking about, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that like whenever we, whenever I saw this ending, um, it reminded me that what, you just have, you know how you just have like some dreams and nightmares that like really stick with you and are just like weirdly vivid. I think I remember this um, nightmare and it wasn't even mine. Yeah. <laughs> I I told you yes. about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's one of the most like high production value dreams I've had <laughs> <laughs> where it was like, um, it was basically like a nightmare about like a serial killer. And it was more like, I'm not involved in it. It's more like I'm watching it. Yeah. It's uh, like a, a movie of, or something. Dream. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was essentially about, like, the serial killer who would, like, um, taxidermy young women to, like, preserve their innocence, I think was the idea. And it's hard to tell, like, how much of this has been, like, fleshed out in my head since I woke up. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird how that happens. But, um, yeah, basically, like, I had this nightmare where there was, uh, you know, this this, uh, couple that was trying to escape the serial killer in the woods and uh, the serial killer was after specifically the woman and um, you know, killed the man. And then like, like I had like a weird like cut in my head where like after, you know, he like captures the captures, the woman kills the guy. um, It's like this weird scene where you like see this like uh, older woman rocking on the porch and then like, a younger version that is like meant to be assumed as like the uh, the protagonist lady, I guess, um, kind of like coming up to her mom 
It's like a flashback sort of thing. Uh, and then you like realize that this is actually um, uh, a taxidermied version of the real protagonist. And this is a flash forward where uh, I guess the serial killer like impregnated the, the lady that she captured and, and is probably going to do the same to uh, this kid when she grows up and stuff. So it's like, oh, this is weird. Just very, like, a little similar. A little similar with the whole forced pregnancy scare factor of it. Right. So, uh, kind of reminded me of that. The reason why, I don't know why, what possessed me to do this, but you told me about this nightmare, this god-awful, like, horror, horrifying concept that you had, which would make an excellent horror movie, by the way. Not saying that it's... I think you could flesh, I think you could flesh that right. out into, like, an actual right. thing. So, but back when you told me this, I was like, oh, I, like, you told me about the the taxidermy mom. So I, t- <laughs> I took it upon myself to write this like freaky, like ending scene where it's like oh. the daughter playing on the living room floor. And like the serial killer dad is like reading a newspaper and you like lower, he like lowers the paper and you can like, see it's his like eyes. Like, you know, it's him. And he's like, Hey, uh, why don't you tell your mom good night? And the child goes, she goes, okay. And she gets up and leaves her toys. And then the camera just like, follows her at her like eye level behind her as she like meanders through the house and goes um to see her mom and she walks up to like this woman that's standing in a room and gives her a hug and goes oh hey like good night mom and then the camera pans up and you can see that the mom is just taxidermied and it's just oh, like yeah. <laughs> like lifeless body that's just like stuffed and just like hangs out you- in the house with them you know what I think actually inspired my little uh, my little demented sort of imagination <laughs> to come up with no. that? I think it was the the cloth mother experiment that <gasps> oh, they did with the monkeys. Yeah, taxidermy mother. <laughs> yeah, taxidermy right. mother. That's where my brain yeah. went. I don't know if that's true, but that's kind of what that reminded <laughs> yeah, me Yeah, no, of. That's, that's a good, uh, yeah, I think that's an interesting connection there. Anyway, let's get on, chapter to, four. Let's get on to chapter four yeah. in this uber long episode. Right. Oh, geez. We're coming up on, uh, you know, episode one length here. Um, <laughs> so this chapter begins with Fiona in a cage once again being rescued by Huey. You find a letter from a character named Lorenzo who has been, you know, alluded to throughout the game. And this time we definitively know it's from him. I think you might figure out that it's Loren- that his name was Lorenzo earlier, but this is where I made note of it. The letter contains instructions for escaping... Ricardo, um, and as she begins to make her way out of this captivity, uh, she runs into, you guessed it, Ricardo, only this time he is invisible now because, you know, fuck you, the player, I don't know, like this. <laughs> it's only the, na- the natural progression of things is to. Yeah, yeah. now he's got a gun and you can't see him. <laughs> I don't know if he still has a gun, but because uh, he's invisible, it's hard to tell what he's holding. Right. Um <laughs> But uh, you're meant to use Huey as like a Lorenzo detector, but uh, this looks this looks extremely annoying. Thankfully, it's a fairly short section of the game. These next two chapters are fairly short. Um, you're basically trapped in this uh, tower surrounded by water, and there's a diorama of a castle at the top of the tower where you need to place a wooden like bridge to raise the actual bridge, um, you know, to connect it to the castle again. Um, and once you do that, you are cornered by Ricardo at the top of the tower, and he demands that Fiona, quote, let, I guess it's not quote, let him into your, but you know what, he says, 
let me into your womb in a very dramatic way. And uh, man, that's, I don't know if that's memeable. It, it, it's, it's certainly striking in some sense. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just the awkward phrasing that I think yeah. really seals it in memeable territory. Yeah, it does. <laughs> also, just like his face model throughout the whole game is a little like... Derpy. A little derpy. Yeah. Um, un- unsettling. Um, so yeah, this, uh, this is where you start the boss fight with him. I wrote this man could use some Title IX training. <laughs> um, <laughs> little little lessons about consent. Right. Um, <laughs> Fiona and Huey just kick the shit out of him until he falls off the tower and lands on the bridge. Uh, and then we get another cutscene without Fiona where an old man who is Lorenzo, but this is the first time we see him, uh, is crawling out to Ricardo's dead body. And he starts making out with them and sucks his ass off out. Ricardo, is, let me into your mouth. <laughs> yes, it's so disgusting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's, uh, that's the end of chapter four. Real, real brief one. All right. On to chapter five. It's time to finish this. And I, which is a great, very typical uh, name for a final right. chapter. It's like the end of a Call of Duty game. Right. Um, so Fiona takes the bridge back to the castle and finally meets Lorenzo, who starts pursuing her. I got a little lazy on this section. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> uh, so we find out that Lorenzo created both Ricardo and Fiona's dad. Um, are and is it that Ricardo and Fiona's dad are both based off of his? DNA, so Lorenzo's sort of like her grandpa yeah. in a way. Yeah, and I don't know if Lorenzo is this because they all, I to my understanding, they all stem from the same alchemist who was trying to, you know, like I guess clone himself and stuff like that. Oh, so is Lorenzo not even the OG? <laughs> I guess he's not because he's not referred to as whatever Oriolus or whatever. Oriolus, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I guess Lorenzo's just an older clone or something. Or maybe like a reborn version or something. I don't know. Something like that. Either way, he's my my least favorite aspect of the story um, because it just gets confusing. And I I struggled to differentiate um, Lorenzo and Ricardo's motives because they felt very similar. Uh, They were were at odds with each other throughout the game. Like they didn't like each other and stuff. Uh, well, but, and like Lorenzo yeah. was the one who you're led to believe is wanting to help you escape. So it's like, what yes. do you want her around or not? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, it's 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 weird. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Um, also, I wish he chased you around in his wheelchair. Yeah, I feel like that would have been cool. Yeah, instead of crawling. <laughs> instead, he just he just leaves his wheelchair and starts crawling after you for some reason. Yeah, uh, it's like jumping out of your car to chase somebody. <laughs> Uh, they run around for a little bit, and eventually Fiona crushes Lorenzo in some kind of conveyor belt. The scene felt comical to me. <laughs> it was just like, because before this, he survives like an explosion, and you're like, oh, he's dead. He's, we're good. And he keeps chasing you. And then you lead him to a conveyor belt where he gets all smushed, <laughs> and he spits out a key to the next room. And it's oh. like that just, it just felt so silly. Yeah. the whole time he's like, Fiona, <laughs> no. <laughs> and you're just like, get squished, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Lorenzo is pre- presumed dead, uh, but then pops up again, spews some deep lore stuff 
about if you can't tell by the way I said that that's it's not even written in quotes I just felt like it should be in quotes anyway (laughs) (laughs) about living forever and then transforms into a younger version of himself the hot Lorenzo no yeah he's not actually uh and chases her finally a hot person right (laughs) are you saying Daniela could get it (laughs) I guess so you're right um my Fiona is straight (laughs) okay So eventually you reach a room with a lava pit uh, and you have a boss battle with Lorenzo and knock him into the lava uh, and the room starts to crumble, I guess, because is the room tied to Lorenzo or is it just... I don't know. There's like some sort of like tremor that's happening. Oh, okay. It's like a little mini earthquake. Anyway, Fiona tries to make her escape, but Lorenzo's old ass crawls him. Sorry. But Lorenzo's old crusty ass crawls himself out of the lava and continues pursuing her in one final chase sequence uh, where Lorenzo just dies and Fiona escapes. Um, thank you for thank you for inserting crusty because I meant for crusty to be in okay. that sentence. So. Well, because he's like, uh, isn't he like burned at this point or like on fire? Yeah, he's all burnt. Yeah, yeah. He's like a burnt like skeleton chasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. I've seen I've seen pictures of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, uh, depending on whether or not you kill Debilitas, you get uh, a different scene uh, when Fiona exits the castle through the main gate. So if Debilitas is alive, there's a scene where they look at each other before Fiona leaves. Um, and Debilitas appears much more passive towards her. Uh, after she leaves, we get a short scene of Debilitas tending to the castle grounds by trimming some hedges. Um, mm-hmm. Some people... And I believe this is the best ending. Yes, I it is. Uh, so some people think that Debilitas with the hedge clippers... Uh, he has a, a giant pair of hedge clippers in his hands. Um, they think mm-hmm. that's a reference to one of the reoccurring killers, stalkers, whatever you want to call them, in Clock Tower. I think he's called the Scissor Man. I don't remember. <laughs> that's his actual name. He's called something. He's called something a little. Uh, he's called something real. What is Mix. it? Scissor yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. uh, he just. So basically, so Scissor Man. If that is or is not his real name, I'm sorry. I don't know. He just has a giant pair of scissors and he snips them at you. And that's about as scary as he gets. But basically people think that that Debilitas having that is a reference, like a callback to Clock Tower. Anyway. um, Yeah. If we kill Debilitas, uh, I think he's just not there. But you still see Fiona leave. He's just not there. That's like the only difference. Right. And Fiona has this like, um, I, I like how she has in this final scene she has like a look of like confidence about her as she leaves like she's you know been through all this crap and has like come out stronger for it um mm-hmm. so uh yeah and that would be yeah it's definitely the a, end. a very empowering moment i suppose yeah i mean sucks um, that she had to go through it, that but at least she got through yeah, it yeah <laughs> you know and it's a little weird because she's kind of happy at the end i get it she's a little happy she's got her doggy with her right but that did still all happen, right. and her parents are dead, and you know, technically in her digestive right. system at the moment. Um, <laughs> and so, it's like not clear where the closest bit of civilization is, or what the hell is this? she doesn't have a support system anymore. Right. I must assume she's got her she's got her mother's side, I suppose. Right. Assuming they're still in the picture, who knows what's going on. Did she get abducted and taken to a different 
you know, country. We don't know. Who knows? Right. And she still doesn't Where have a- Where is Haunted Grants 2? She has no <laughs> weapon aside from the dog. The dog is still the only means of protecting herself. Oh my God. Imagine imagine going through all that and just getting killed by a right. bear. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Haunted Ground 2, Fiona's really shitty walk through the woods or she gets mauled by a bear. <laughs> She's now being pursued by all a right. bear. <laughs> She hides in like a little like hollowed out log for some right. reason. Right, and then it says Coast the bear's is just clear. like walking around. And you come out of the log and the bear's still there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so overall thoughts on the story. I just got one bullet point for this. <laughs> um, so I was kind of under the impression that like the there's like some sort of line being drawn between alchemy and sort of like Azoth and a woman's ability to create life. I was under the impression that we we talked about this a little more. My understanding of it changed a little bit as we discussed it, but I was under the impression that Azoth was basically just like a metaphor for fertility. And it's like you have these alchemists trying to create life, which is like, you know, impossible, I guess, to do perfectly. And then you have like they're they're hunting this woman's womb basically because it is like a it, it is a life creator right thing. Well, also it doesn't. So according to you know the lore, so Fiona has some really good top tier Azoth because she's from this like alchemist family, but like. But why, though? You know what I mean? Like, why yes. would an alchemist's bloodline have better Azoth than just, like, Joe Schmo down the street? I don't know. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's confusing. Um, I I mean, I guess, like, the Azoth does something weird because after Lorenzo sucks out Ricardo's Azoth, he's able to, like... He's young again. He's young again, but not immediately? But, I don't know. But why, <laughs> but why... But if, if, if Lorenzo could just suck it out of Ricardo, then why couldn't... Why did Fiona have know, to get pregnant? I know, why didn't they kill each other? Or that. Yeah, like, why didn't... Yeah. Well, so, he... So, <laughs> at, at, like, during the during the I Am Your Uncle moment, um, we see the full car crash scene. So, Ricardo yeah. forces the car to crash, and then he intentionally kills her father. Ugo, yeah. Yes, in an attempt to take his as <laughs> sorry or ugly. <laughs> in an attempt to take his as off, but when he realizes that he had a kid, then he's like, "Oh, the as off is in the kid," and I think it's implied that he hatches the plan of the whole like, you know, impregnating her thing at that moment, and then decides to take her back to the castle, but. It, but why if but why? if you have her okay <laughs> I don't mean to this is gonna be nasty but if you have her right there why <laughs> why didn't you know what I'm saying like why you go through the all the ceremony of taking her back to the castle sticking her in a cage uh why not just do this you know what I mean <laughs> maybe I guess she wasn't ov- ovulating at the moment well. All right then. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. There's some weird there's some weird potential plot holes or maybe it's explained through some weird sort of deep lore. Who knows. Anyway, 
that's the story. Yeah, maybe, maybe the Azoth <laughs> is more potent if you just scare the shit out of her a lot first, and then <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's blaze through some of All these right. gripes I had about the mechanics and go to bed. Okay. Um, so fixed camera. This game operates on a fixed camera system, much like the early Resident Evil games. I don't know if the Clock Tower games did as well. I assume they did, but I hate fixed cameras <laughs> in horror games. I think a lot of people try to defend bullshit like this, like tank controls, like or just any sort of like a like difficult to control thing and the fixed cameras. I think a lot of people defend it as something that creates scary moments. Nay, I say, uh it creates annoying moments. Yeah. <laughs> and I am constantly annoyed by dumb crap like so, okay. I mentioned the game being very aware of cinematography and just like using that to its benefit in certain instances. There's some bullshit that happens at various points in the game where it breaks the uh, 180 degree rule. If you're not familiar with the 180 degree rule, it's basically a film rule. Look it up. There's Just type it into Google Images and it'll pop up with something nice and convenient. It's basically this rule that is widely, you know, 99.9% of the time adhered to during um, action and dialogue scenes. Um, and it's meant to kind of preserve some level of, like, continuity or sense of space uh, as the viewer. And it's basically like if you have a person and another person or whatever they're looking at, whatever they're walking towards, it creates a line of action where that person is looking. And you never cross that line of action. So if you're on Fiona's right, you stay on Fiona's right. Yeah. You don't flip-flop 180 degrees. You keep it the same. Because... It's disorienting, especially in this game where you control the game without tank controls, which is good. I don't want tank controls, but at the same time, tank controls were kind of a solution to this issue. Because if you're walking straight towards something, um, there's a couple instances in the game where the camera angle will flip directly behind you or directly in front of you. Do like a 180 degree flip and you're facing some sort of weird direction and your character will spin around as you try to adjust, uh, which is stupid. And really, really should have been avoided. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I understand that some people defend this type of stuff as like creating scary moments. I agree that like the framing of the shots in specific ways created cinematic moments. Um, I feel like we could have had a best of both worlds where maybe whenever you enter an area, you start out with like an overview of it and then you snap back to like an over the shoulder thing. This would drastically change the game. It's not like a simple, like, turn off this thing. Um, but I just hate it. <laughs> I don't know. How do you feel about, like, the fixed camera angle? Did it bother you as much as me? Um, Honestly, I don't... I didn't feel that particularly bothered by it. Um, but I have seen, like, in terms of, like, an alternative solution, uh, I think there's examples of, like, in... It might be Silent Hill, where, like, there's, like the camera controls itself but it will like sort of pan with you around as you move through mm. environments like a one shot sort yeah. of thing it's not cutting right right and i think that might that make sense. help 
But, I mean, you also have to consider we're moving through a whole bunch of separated rooms. And also, I don't really know what sort of limitations they were working with as far as, like, how to present the environments, like, cutting between rooms and stuff, because there are no loading screens. Yes, um, which is very impressive. Is. Admirable. Yeah. Jack and Dexter style. Yeah. Well, not quite, <laughs> but... <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't I don't know if they wanted if you want to keep the artsiness of having uh, a camera not in the player's control. I think the sweeping sort of uh, like long shot thing is the best way to do it as mm. far as I can think of. Yeah, I, I think that the industry has I mean, we've moved away from this. Yeah. For a good reason, I think. Um, so like in the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remake. Um, those games initially had, originally had like uh, tank controls and uh, fixed camera angles in the room and stuff. Um, they moved away from that. And did those games get bad? No, they got even better um, <laughs> in most people's eyes. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, they're both, they're all good games. Um, but basically what I'm saying is the game is still freaking scary. Um, you don't lose the scare factor if you, granted you have to design some things differently. Mm -hmm. But it's more, it's more playable as a video game, which is, I think, kind of the thing you got to sacrifice whenever you're making a video game. It's like, yeah, we could make this kind of like cinematic and like force this perspective. But I think you got to sacrifice that whenever it comes to the playability of your game, uh, personally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you want to hear me bitch and moan about this more, you can go to my... Uh, Resident <laughs> Evil 4 for VR review on my Pixel Wave YouTube channel, uh, where I have like a full one minute of this where I moan and cry about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's that's uh, that's that's how I feel about the whole fixed camera thing. So this is a game relying on pursuing or having a pursuer and like hiding. So you're running and hiding basically the whole game. And in my head, I separate horror games into two buckets. You have games like uh, Resident Evil, where something is scary, and you go and fight it. This is the this is the Alpha Chad genre of horror games, uh, and then you have uh, games like this, and I think like Outlast and stuff like that, where you know very popular games in their own right. Don't get me wrong, but. Uh, you're playing a little bitch throughout the whole game, running and hiding. You don't fight anybody, <laughs> which I don't like as much, and I find it more frustrating. Like, uh, I, I think I find it more annoying, and I prefer fighting it. It's like, it's like, look at this thing. You have to deal with it, as opposed. To, it's kind of like seeing a spider on the wall and being like, oh, I have to, I have to crush it myself, it, instead of like, oh, a spider, I run away. Right. Um. Yeah. Also, I think that like um, in terms of like this game with like the running and hiding thing, it's and I think this is a weakness of it is you get mad at Fiona for being Fiona. Yes. <laughs> because yes. there's so many cutscenes where a stalker is like who clearly has bad intentions for you is like walking up to you and she's just like standing there and just bat, like inching away. And it's like, girl, girl, literally yes. when I am in control, we run away. Why are you just like. Are your, like, fight or flight, is that not going off in your head right now? Why are you just standing here? What are you thinking? And also, like... It's like, <laughs> you're in a full-on sprint until you reach a door, and then it's like, oh. Let, let me, me just right align myself perfectly and take my sweet time getting my little my little jiggly <laughs> boobs through this door, and then we'll... Yeah, it, 
Right. And that's that makes you frustrated with her. And I think as a developer, you don't you shouldn't your player shouldn't be frustrated with their avatar. You should like be like bonded to them and be like, this is me. You know what I mean? I gotta protect right. them. It's scary. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Instead I'm just like, God damn it, this freaking guy's chasing right. me again. Yeah. It's like Fiona, move your butt. Like, stop. Like, yeah, you shouldn't wanna yell at her. <laughs> So sometimes she starts panicking and you're just like, you got to keep it together right, right now. For you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I found it more I, around, around the end of Daniela. I found it more annoying than scary. I yeah. wanted to reach a point where I had some sort of way to defend myself beyond evading them. Yes. Or just like telling Huey to attack. I mean, that's like kind of kind of thing but you it ultimately ends with you hiding and escaping them right yeah or you know incapacitating them or you know uh the panic system uh i feel like a little bit of a broken record at this point complaining about every aspect of gameplay um but i didn't hate the panic system as much as you know other aspects of the gameplay um i just feel like it was very inconsistent like we mentioned earlier, that scene where you're like looking through that keyhole and then it's like Danielle looks at you and then it's like, oh my God, major panic mode. Right. Initiate. But then it's like, you know, you're in the middle of a fight with someone and it's like, you're fine. Right. That's, and it's, it's like, it, I, I know we never mentioned this before, but there is like not really any UI to speak of. So there's yeah. no like meter to tell you like, hey, your panic is starting to get kind of high there. Like aside from like the visual cues of um, like the screen stuttering, maybe. I don't know if that's a good word or like it like freezing on yeah, a frame yeah. while Fiona's like running and screaming and the contrast gets amped all the way up. And like you'll know when yeah, you're, it's very difficult to see. Yeah, you'll know when you're panicking, but also like an indicator or like a meter of some kind would be maybe beneficial mm -hmm. um yeah yeah i i don't know i liked so did you have vibration whenever you played with this uh no i did not okay so the controller does vibrate before uh, the screen so there's like a, there's like an added layer of like a stage to yeah, it yeah okay um i don't know i don't mind that there's no ui because i don't believe there's any it's just a there's there's no like user interface while you're playing uh, I believe HUD. I mean, there's no like HUD yeah. or anything. I'm cool with it. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, next area of the game, uh, Huey and controlling and having him obey you and disobey you. There was meant to be like this whole system where, um, you know, you're kind of like training him. You're like uh, rewarding positive behavior, scolding him if he doesn't do something. Um, it's difficult it's difficult to tell whether or not the system was working if you told me that it was just working completely as intended i would believe you because he is a dog and sometimes disobeys you i'm like okay cool that makes sense <laughs> it's kind of like a it's kind of like that last guardian game where people were like oh it's so hard to control the the dude and everyone's like well it's because it's a it's a dog and you can't really control him yeah <laughs> i don't know I didn't. I didn't notice. I didn't hate it. It's fine. Anything for you on Huey? No. Uh, I mean, I didn't. I think mm, I wasn't necessarily like so. Like, if I was being chased, I wasn't super 
focused on like making Huey try to do anything aside from like here bite him and I guess I'll just run like that was like yeah, yeah, yeah. there was not yeah it was fine okay puzzle solving personally and if it sounds like we're at a heightened space uh, heightened speed it's because we are um it's like 10 o'clock yeah puzzle solving I used the guide so I can't really speak to the difficulty of solving these puzzles I think most of like the puzzle rooms were like solvable enough but some of like the broader like how do I open this door puzzle some of those seem pretty difficult to solve <laughs> like you really have to be like turning on your detective mode and like observing very like seemingly innocuous things right or there's a couple things where you have to guide like a luminescent to run into a lantern to light it yeah um, which to be fair the text like when you run up and observe the lantern it's like oh i better i don't know it like kind of gives you a pretty clear hint but there was mm -hmm. one puzzle where i was like okay i wouldn't have understood this without a guide was you have to enter i think you have to make three was it three plates with three different words on them and they were like yes the crossword. Yeah, yeah yeah and yeah. it's like oh yeah the basic elements of alchemy and it's like why would i know that <laughs> there was um there was apparently like a crossword puzzle thing but it had in, other words aside from i know it had like mercury and stuff like that right it had, which was uh, yeah i don't know yeah it it is it, 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 it's dumb it's dumb this is not tulip levels of right obtuseness right no yeah it's not that stupid <laughs> it but. is solvable uh-huh i think you yeah i i chose to play with god because i'm like ah, i gotta try to beat this game <laughs> in, in time but um yeah i mean like i think i think you can play this game without a guide and maybe check the internet occasionally and it'd be a fine experience. So there's that. Uh, Alchemy Mini Game already spoke to this. Dog shit. Yes. I agree with that. I have no defense. Uh, let's get into what I think is the, I think, strongest aspect of the game, which is its atmosphere. The castle is beautiful and horrifying the same time uh it's got like a very twisty turny layout but due to like the distinctness of each of the rooms it's like much easier to commit like the path to get to certain places to memory mm -hmm. um some of the some of the areas that like stood out to me uh is like cool or interesting or whatever uh i really love the nursery and like the debilitas area that one's pretty sweet mm -hmm. Uh, you see, like, that rocking chair, like, rocking on its own. It's a really tiny area, but yeah, really like it. Um, there's the uh, Impossible Stairs, which is, like, an MC Escher sort of, like, weird staircase where there's, like, sideways stairs and all kind of weird stuff happening. Um, really solid. The doll room that has, like, that carpet trap thing towards the beginning of the game. Yeah. Uh, also really solid. Very creepy. It's one of those rooms where you, like, walk in and, like how it's framed in the shot. You're just like looking at all this creepy stuff. Mm -hmm. It's real good. Uh, and then the carousel, which was there. And I was like, why is this here? That doesn't make any sense. This is a castle. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was creepy nonetheless. Uh, Morgan, did you have like a favorite area or any areas that stood out to you? Um, I think I liked the opening areas just because I had the easiest time navigating them. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I, get um, it. I really liked the outdoor like courtyard spaces um the room like fiona's like bedroom i loved like the the decor in there how the portraits like because you know like 
you um there's like that shot of somebody like watching you through the portrait and so you're like oh it's like all the portraits are they all like that or you know um there's something else oh i liked the chapel a lot too oh yeah that was good yeah so just like that whole scene with debilitas like locking the door is pretty terrifying yes well because he's he's also like relatively nonchalant about it if i remember right Mm -hmm. (laughs) like he's just like oh hey i'm here uh, one of my favorite parts about this game is that it has just a tiny cast that it focuses on. Like, it's just like, here's this castle and here's the like th- four inhabitants of it. Um, and you just kind of like work through them throughout the game. Yes. Very like small and consumable, which is nice because it's a very short game. So no one feels like they overstay their welcome and they're all like varied enough. Uh, aside from Lorenzo and Ricardo. Ricardo. I keep saying Ricardo. <laughs> but yeah, because they felt, you know, fairly similar. Uh, what about you? So um, so I agree with uh, Lorenzo feeling like, I guess, weak or potentially like unnecessary. So I think uh, the narrative would have been stronger if they had just blended the two characters. Um, I also had a note where I said, I don't know if they had to do the whole incestuous uh, Ricardo is like your uncle thing because honestly it's just a bit convoluted to explain and the concept of like him wanting your womb for his own purposes is frightening enough yes. um, Yeah. and it also to me <laughs> when Ricardo's like ah your, your father was just my clone it's like okay well you're obviously really fricked up uh, how is Ugo so normal and like normal enough to where he could get a wife and like go about this like mm-hmm. a normal way? I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, f- I guess I guess they they're I I don't know if 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 Ricardo's lacking in emotions, then maybe Ugo is the opposite and like has them. Like maybe they're like a jigsaw puzzle where like. They have opposite characteristics in some sense. I have no idea. Yeah, that could be. I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, uh, one one aspect where I feel like the cast was lacking is, you know, we have Huey who is on our side, but I feel like the game could have used one character who was like on Fiona's side in some way, or was at least neutral. Um, yeah. In some sense. Like, and we kind of think this is going to happen with Daniela and then again with Lorenzo, um, but they both end up turning on you. Right. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. Maybe someone who, like another servant or something in the castle, who's like too, yeah. who's too terrified of, uh, you know, so let's say we cut out Lorenzo, right? And let's say it's just Ricardo that's the big bad. Maybe this like other servant is too terrified of Ricardo to like directly do anything to like disobey him, but they could still like give you like little like little bits of assistance here or there. Like, oh hey, okay, I unlocked this door for you. Shh, don't tell anybody. You're you know something like that. What if it? What if this game was written a little differently and Debilitas was like kind of helping you? Yeah. Maybe that could be. I don't yeah, know. that could work. That's an idea. Mm-hmm. So music and sound. Uh, it was very hard for me to be afraid of the chases because it was it was a freaking certified banger. It was like all this like really like harsh like crashing noises and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's very like 
again. No concept of musical terminology. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> what did you think? <laughs> um, see, for me, the music has that strong association with being chased. So it just makes me freak out a little bit. So I hear it, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. But yeah. I'll play it at, play it at your wedding. Oh, please. My family Hijack will be DJ. like, what <laughs> are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I like how the music cuts out. Uh, when a pursuer is near, it's like just a very solid, like, horror, you know, right before a jump scare tactic. Um, it's very effective here. Because, like, you hear some, like, footsteps and stuff, depending on the pursuer. Yes. When they're, like, near. And uh, I think Huey will growl in their general direction. Right. Yes. Um, and the sort of like general atmospheric music was very like Resident Evil y. Like, you know, you never feel completely like comfortable. Everything's like a little unsettling, yeah. but like you kind of, it's, it's very like atmospheric in a sense of like it, 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 it brings you into this world where you're not safe. Right. Um, and it's like unfamiliar. The, the music is also uh, dynamic and like, in an intentional way where they can adjust the tempo to fit the situation, increasing it or decreasing it as needed. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to the conclusion. Alrighty. So when it comes to uh, the accessibility of this game, as far as like finding a copy and playing it uh, for a North American audience, this game was only ever published for the PlayStation two. Um, it was available in Japan on the PS3 PSN store as a PS2 classic, but that never was a thing for North American audiences. And you would be very hard pressed to find a physical copy of this game for less than $300 in the current landscape of retro video games. So it's one of the more, it's one of the more valuable um, PlayStation 2 games uh, for sure. I hear that there are some problems with like emulating this game, although Morgan, you didn't. Not seem that I noticed, to... no. <laughs> okay, yeah. So maybe emulation has gotten better since then. Um, so yeah, that emulation is probably a solid way to experience this game. Um, on a modded PS2, I didn't run into too many issues other than the the loading freeze that I mentioned earlier. Um, and uh, all right, so uh, do we? recommend you play this game uh personally i feel like if you're not a fan of the survival horror genre of games i don't think you too i don't I, I don't think you gain too much by playing this game if any of the story elements that we talked about and discussed you know despite spoiling them uh seemed interesting to you i think that you could experience this game reasonably well through watching a playthrough or watching the cutscenes, and you wouldn't be missing out on an awful lot uh morgan what do you think uh yeah definitely if you just watch it you're not gonna have like the frustration of you know running into a stalker like i don't know experiencing some of like the repetitive uh stuff especially towards the end of the game um i think if you're a fan of uh, like the more like classic survival horror, like the old Resident Evil games, or maybe like the old Clock Tower games. Even I think this is mm -hmm. definitely something that you should look into. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's perfectly like um, it's it's probably 
fairly common for a fan of this genre to have missed out on this game due to, you know, its release date and it's kind of just like low right. <laughs> availability. Yeah. So, yeah. So we probably don't need a sequel or anything like that for this game. It, it's a standalone experience. Nice one game. It's not a franchise. However, this will never happen, frankly. Probably um, <laughs> It'd be nice to just have this game re-released, just available somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, it would. Because, um, yeah, that, that sucks. Um, but I think that this game, in some sort of alternate reality where Capcom is the coolest company in the world, they devote the time and resources into creating an, a, a Resident Evil-style remake for this game with reworked camera controls and like a slightly altered story that would be so good i would i would in a heartbeat i'd be playing this game again because this the like the themes of this game are amazing yes i love it if it's just reworked a little bit because in in the remakes of like resident evil uh two and three they do rework the story it is like basically the same but they do rework it to you know you know just just clean up some stuff. Yeah, that, or maybe you know, elaborate maybe in some places. Hold up as or, well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think this game would... Because the themes are just so unique. Yes. They're not... It's not something that you see in video games, so certainly. I mean, it's just so, like, dark and twisted and, like, I don't know, deviant. And it's just, like, I really... I'd be really interested to see a modern... Uh, remake of this game i do suspect that many of like the fiona sexualized elements would be censored um and i point to the uh remake of resident evil 4 where they or not the remake but the uh the vr port where they cut out a lot of the uh looking at the president's weird... daughter's butt or something <laughs> yeah there's like one one line where they refer to her boobs as ballistic missiles whoa um, <laughs> which is like it's it is stupid, yeah. You know, kind of funny. Um, and there's just like flirty stuff, um, which I thought was fine. Like I don't I don't really need this in the game. I think the game's plot and story almost becomes less confused if you cut out this stuff. Yeah. Uh, in the in the case of Haunting Grounds, but yeah, we mentioned the uh, the weird, maybe problematic depiction of Debilitas, but there's like a more complex reason behind his you know, demeanor. Mm -hmm. uh, so that may not be as much of an issue, although the internet is sometimes very um, <laughs> shallow with its they, outrage. I don't and know. And like, I don't know, news outlets like the rage bait, clickbait titles, right? So Totally. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's it's very predictable. Yeah. I imagine that would be a talking point. Also, pull a, pull a little big cojones move and call it Demento. Right. I think Haunting Grounds is a fairly generic well, sounding name. And it name. doesn't Haunting Ground to me implies paranormal and this is not yeah. it's not paranormal horror it's like mad science like mm -hmm. science fiction type yeah. Yeah and that, calling it Demento would be in line with some decisions that Capcom has made in regards to Resident Evil um, so Resident Evil in Japan is uh, the series is called Biohazard um, which is pretty cool um, and for uh, Resident Evil 7, which was kind of like a soft reboot of the series because yeah. it kind of strayed away into action. And then with Resident Evil 7, dipped back into like real horror. Um, 
you know, just kind of classic smaller scale horror. Uh, the subtitle was Biohazard, and that was kind of like the, the the kind of like how you referred to it. Right. Um, so yeah, it'd be cool. Demento's a way cooler. Yeah. Name. <laughs> anyway, that concludes our discussion. Our very long three hours. <laughs> three hour. I did not anticipate this. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, discussion of Haunting Ground. Little clap. I can't clap because my hand is still a little hurt. Check out the ATV episode for more information on my my hand. Right. Um, <laughs> Morgan, what are we playing next? All right, we are taking a break from the spooky stuff, and we are going to take a look at 007 Nightfire. Get some secret spy man action up in here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I've heard some great things about this game, and I'm excited to play it. Yep. Yeah, but. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. If you want to hear more discussion on PlayStation 2 games, subscribe to or follow our show on whatever platform you'd like to listen to it on. Uh, you can expect a new episode on the second of every month. Um, and if you want to hear more from me specifically, I have a YouTube channel, Pixel.Wave. I mentioned my Resident Evil 4 VR review where I bitched and moaned about um, camera fixed camera angles or whatever. So that's kind of related. Uh, Morgan, where can we find you? Uh, well... You currently have it's just a long line of underscores. So <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it yeah. is. Um, so yeah, I mean, thank you for listening to this episode. Goodbye. Goodbye. But it's implied that Fiona gets sick from the food because it was like her parents what? that she ate. Yes. So oh, man, there's lightning. Remember, as you said that there was a lightning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Spooky story hour. She ate her parents. Yeah, I love it. Uh, <laughs> so oh, I fucking hope that I don't lose power. Oh, that would. Do you want to pause and like save our discussion so far on your end? You know what? Yeah. Okay.